We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and surprisingly, this is... Abe! Hello! I say surprisingly because Out Now is a film podcast where we normally discuss new movies weekly. However, every now and then life have these special bonus episodes, whether that's one of our commentary track or something really different. And this is our commentary track for October 2023, which also doubles as the final entry in our horror specials for this year which makes it a, an honor, truly, to have Abe joining us for a scary movie, let alone a commentary. <laughs> this is just great. It's great to have... I'm glad, I'm glad you, my co-host, are here with I to talk about the movie we're going to talk about. I mean, I think you got to give it up to Pazuzu. He was just like, you got to be on tonight, bro. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I, I, you oh, know, I always, Christ I always just cherish, compelled you. I always yeah, cherish exactly. Pazuzu's uh, nude balance ad. Pazuzu like you do, but they didn't. they didn't go for it. They didn't go for it? No, they didn't go for it. But enough about Pazuzu. This week we are talking, or this uh, this commentary track, we are talking William Friedkin's The Exorcist, based on the novel by William Peter Blatty. Joining us for this Exorcist commentary track, we have from Liza Blue and host of the Brandon Peters Show, his mother shops for clocks and Ross. It's Brandon Peters. All right. Hey, listeners. Uh, trivia for all you listeners out there. What in, in the movie The Exorcist, what does Father Karras's mother do in hell? Stay tuned to the end of the episode for the answer. <laughs> Had me going there. Also joining us from the Milky Way Blues, he's jumping out of windows. He's so happy to be here at Nancy Burns. Can you spare any change for an old author boy? I'm a Catholic. <laughs> and joining us from the rap, making bad attempts at cashing in on old IP would be too much of a vulgar display of power for him to... It's Scott Mendelson. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite exorcist movie is Exorcist 3 Director's Cut, because I prefer my exorcist movies without exorcisms. <laughs> to be fair, it was called Legion. <laughs> yeah, you're nasty. How are you all doing this evening? <laughs> we're about one of, we're ready to watch one of the best films ever made, so yeah. Let's, yeah. Halloween is oh, we're excited to do The Omen. Good. Oh, don't even. <laughs> We've the Omen wishes. We've don't talked lose your head The Omen there, is not Brandon. a bad movie, but jeez, I'm... We talked. Oh, we, we talked about the whole Omen franchise at one um, last year, I believe, two years last year. Um, we had a whole Omen discussion. Yeah, the whole yeah, franchise. To which Aaron said, "No, men." <laughs> <laughs> I, I liked most of them for the good uh, ones. <laughs> they're not. I know the Omen is a very, very good movie. It's, it the, is the second good. one's a very, very good movie, and the, mm-hmm. the there's a third one that Sam Neil, right? Score. Sam Neil's a wonderful man. Sam right? Neil's good, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a good man. Yeah, we wish him well. This doesn't count as a directed TV non-entity. And they but made they're that. all better than the remake. <laughs> Some of you've heard this story, but I went with my with. Oh, but we weren't married yet. But I went with Wendy to see the Omen remake, and it was was a it Sunday on, of Omen on, weekend. Oh, so you didn't go on Tuesday. We did not. Sadly. On 6606? Um, <laughs> in retrospect, missed opportunity. But we go to get ice cream beforehand, and our receipt at Goldstone, our receipt came oh, I remember out for $6.66. You, wow. you showed me, the, I've seen the actual receipt. So uh, those of you who have been to the Mendelssohn Hall of Fame, I have, I've uh, seen that one. At the, uh, that was uh, much scarier than anything in the Omen 666. And that's the last thing, that's the last time you got the hot fudge beheaded priest, right? Correct. Yeah, all right. We're not here to talk about The Omen, though. We're here to talk about The Exorcist, which is exactly what we're going to do for this commentary track. 
Uh, what we have planned is we're going to play the theatrical version, the version we were always meant to see, and we're just going to talk over it. I'm going to eventually count down from three, and on the sound of go, we're all going to press play. We currently all have it paused right at the Warner Brothers logo appearing on screen on this brand spanking new 4K that came out. It's at 10 seconds. That could vary depending on where you are. Uh, but yeah, if you plan to watch along, pause it right at the Warner Brothers logo, press play when I say go, and you'll be good. If you're listening just to listen, first off, be careful. There's a lot of like spooky things that happen when people talk about The Exorcist. But then you're good to go. You're ready to you yeah, know, do your thing. Yeah, get on you. Yeah, just have a good time. So, are we all ready? Yes. Let's do it. All right. I should note, by the way, only four of us are actually watching The Exorcist right now. Yeah, Scott, why are you such a scaredy pants? <laughs> Slander. <laughs> I'm watching The Omen, a good uh. movie. We we convinced Dave to be here. Uh, you know, we dragged him into his his own home, <laughs> taped him down to his chair, but he's still not actually watching the film. So we'll do what we it's, can. It's playing in my head as we're talking about this. All right. Well, we'll describe all the, all the. I there's not much gruesome. Imagery, They're really bad, not even gore. They're just like we'll describe you know, all disturbing. the bad language to you in gruesome detail. So <laughs> yeah, get the implications going. of things. We'll describe. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, I can't we'll, believe the devil made her say that word. We'll do a Leo point every time Pazuzu's face here is on screen. Yeah, once in this version. Yeah, it's yeah, it's not many times. All right, <laughs> All right. right. Let's, okay, do let's do this. Three, two, one. Oh man! <laughs> oh man! <laughs> All right, The Exorcist. It's a movie, and we did right, commentary. Oh no, Abe! Oh my God! No! <laughs> no! No! <laughs> oh no! From the All director right. of the he's, hunted. He's watching the YouTube version labeled something else. No. So this is William Friedkin's William Peter Blatty's The Omen, The, the Exorcist. I got The Omen on my mind now. Um, I did not run short on facts and trivia and all kinds of things to find for this movie. This is probably the most extensive set of notes that I've had for one of these commentary tracks, but boy, is there a lot of stuff here. Um, here's the fun thing, though, as we begin to talk about this movie. We're not going to talk about, you know, Washington for quite a bit here because we have a whole Iraqi prologue to get through first. Well, if we watch the other one, we could talk about Washington for a second. Yeah, we're not doing yeah, but we're not doing that. We're talking instead about the 130 degree weather that they suffered while making this sequence. (laughs) And we're and we're in danger. Uh, I think they almost got kidnapped, or there was a situation where they were almost kidnapped. (laughs) Or there's a situation like there was a number of this movie. It seems to have been cursed um, as far as yeah. the making of it, the after release, everyone involved with it. Like, uh, all, not necessarily all the worst things that could possibly happen happened. Oh, and huge box off was not well, a curse. But I'd be hard pressed to find more. We have done a commentary for The Crow. So, yeah. we a, cu- have, a, cu- yeah. a couple characters in the movie die, too. So, yeah, curse. There's a lot of just crazy things that seem to have eventually happened. everybody in the movie will die. It's a very tragic. <laughs> <curse>. <laughs> I gotta say, so. This is always maybe the the way the the movement and stuff of whatever they're cranking the film at here is always felt yeah the way this kid's run the, the running the guy with the wheelbarrow like it, it's it's weird it's different it's and that's what I mean Free Kim brings to the table is kind of off the wall because he wasn't classically trained like everybody else mm-hmm. um so he's very renegade but like and he he introduced the documentary style to to filmmaking to mainstream filmmaking to mainstream filmmaking yeah but like there's just i don't know something maybe he's they're filming at such a weird speed or something that i don't know some of it looks traditional but then others like the movements look like flashy a bit 
There's no explanation at all for this sequence later on. We have no idea what any of this means. We understand we're meeting the exorcist here in the old phony old Max Moncito, but there's never an explanation for what we see in this first 10 minutes, which is wild. Was this the I last mean, stuff I mean, you they get the, filmed? You get the, the Pazuzu set. Not in this movie, you don't. Exorcist 2 is the first time you mentioned Pazuzu. No, but you get the statue in this movie. Yeah, you get the statue, but you don't know how that... Ref- yeah. how that yeah. You don't know that Pazuzu is supposed to be... Well, the guy says evil against evil. That's the one line in this opening. The other the guy's... Sure, but you, know, you see the statue later. I mean, I, I, I get what you're saying as far as, yes, there's not like a, here's a whole list of things as to why this scene exists, but there is a callback to the fact that we're in this section during the rest, in the later in the movie. Superimposition, yeah, yeah. that's true. Because didn't the studio like try to convince him to go out to california deserts to film this and he was like no that 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 that, 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 that doesn't cost money (laughs) yes it could have been a peter hyams or a wise movie and it would have been shot in the batman cave and i feel like like this part this whole sequence is in danger of not even being filmed or something and then oh i I guarantee this is like the probably one of the toughest fights they had as far as we have to have 10 to 15 minutes of one character barely saying anything who has no real context on the movie field until the final like 20 minutes uh i think we should yeah. have the whole sequence devoted to this stuff like yeah that was probably not, probably not an easy battle for william friedkin to win but he's William. Friedkin. no it probably was because this is this is this is the this is the this and the godfather and later jaws and star wars are the pride of new hollywood these movies showed that that paid off to just trust these maverick guys and just do whatever yeah. they want well, this is cool off, but, I mean, shepherding the most amazing forces to make this movie you know as far as getting it done, I mean, this movie went it ballooned in budget. We had a went from eighty five to two hundred days shooting. I mean, it you know he got he oh, got what shoot. he wanted out of it. But I'm just saying it went, probably wasn't like an easy day to be like, let me go to Warner Brothers and get some to shoot in Iraq for a few weeks here. Did they shoot this well, earlier or this late? It gets this film off to such a huge spectacle driven start. Yeah, because otherwise it's just a movie set in one sure. house on a street corner with a couple of normal people. I mean, whether or not this sequence you know, explained its its intentions. It's a wonderfully large-scale, big-screen way to start this otherwise domestic picture. And here's this great, I love this, the sound of the three guys hitting the anvil you hear for about two minutes before you see them, mm-hmm. which is a great freaking touch. Well, it, yeah, this, this stuff is shot kind of, it's not at the end, it's not at the beginning. It's kind of like when they found the time they could okay. they were able to do it. They, there they are. Well, the first uh, shot of the, the first shot of the movie is actually the shot of Baron arriving at the house. That's the first thing they shot. Right. Well, and Von Saito, like he, he's not this old at all. Like no, I, no, he's twenty old. Always, I always have had him as either young man in Bergman films, straight to old man because you know, like this because he's this. <laughs> and he's very blonde, so he like just naturally looks kind of gray on film sometimes. Mm-hmm. But like it, it's funny how like I always had him. He's always just been this old man to me. Yeah, since I've been watching films, and he's really not in the seventies. No, he is forty. He's forty-four when he's yeah. filming this movie. And yes, it's it's. I assume many like you and me, like many, just assumed that Max von Sydow was, was an old man for like, and he was like, sure. how how is he still around in twenty yeah. twenty? When he finally goes, it's like, Open Force Awakens is like, he's not dead. Cool. <laughs> he would have been well known to at least the cooler audiences at this point for being a major international screen star. So having him in the first ten minutes makes sense to give it sort of gravitas. Well, it's a good thing you mentioned. And also, that it's a reminder that this movie is very Bergmanish if you look at it with with fresh eyes, and it makes sense that Von Sydow is in here. Freaking uses a lot of Bergman techniques. You the pointing out that Max von Sydow being a, a, a face that's recognizable enough is a good point because yes, Warner Brothers are not super happy with the casting of this movie because it does not have many stars. It does Ellen Burstyn, Linda Blair, and Jason Miller 
are uh, Burston's maybe the most well, well yeah, she is the most well known because yeah. the other two are their first movies. But uh, Ellen Burston, not a huge star at this point at all. And Warner Bros. is like, we're making a giant horror movie. You want to cast nobodies? And we, we'll talk about all of the people that were considered for all these parts. There are many in a little bit. But yeah, uh, the next one's out. It's like, well, that's something, I guess. Something to make us a little less, um, <laughs> less worried about the plans here. There's other choices too for Baron as well. There's, I got a whole list of all these people. Um, well, like, I, I believe, like, Roy Scheider wanted. We're gonna well, okay. We're gonna we're gonna get into it. I got I got the we'll talk about. It's your Burton. This, this, this is where <laughs> yeah. This is where yeah. The the Scheider and freaking spatting began. Oh really? Yeah, and then they get back together in Sorcerer, but yeah, they get back together. That was good. Um, it was like Moss Eisley. Um, before we get too far into things, uh, let's talk about when we first saw the Exorcist, as we normally do on this podcast, uh, on these commentary tracks. Uh, Brandon, when did you when did you first see The Exorcist? Believe it or not, it was the uh, the version you've never seen in theaters. Um, mm. That was the first time I saw it. I, I just kind of, it felt like one of those, you know, those movies. They sometimes, and especially when you're young, you hear you hear about this is so good, this is so good all the time. It's overexposed. You feel like I might as well have seen it, uh, mm-hmm. and you hadn't. And then this got re released in theaters. I'm like, oh well, this would be cool to see the first time in the theater. So I saw the version you'd never seen first. Um, and then in college, like a year or two later, uh, in a film class, we watched a theatrical cut of it. Um, and I, I liked it more the second time I watched it. The, fir- the fir- first was okay. It was good in theater, but um, I don't know if it was the difference in the versions or if I knew it was able to pick up as much um, on that. But I don't know. I've only grown to like it more. Um, over the years a lot uh, and freaking's uh fave of mine so and this is you know one of his pinnacles of course but uh yeah my steam for just like rose with my old age more than it was when i was a youngster for some odd reason mm-hmm. scott how about you um i saw it on network television with minimal edits uh when i was a child like a random saturday night monday night movie i had heard of it i knew what it was i knew what i was getting into uh and i enjoyed it i thought this is solid i can see why this was a big deal once upon a time uh but then you know a year or so later i saw the omen and i thought fuck now that's a movie <laughs> not enough heads getting chopped off in this piece of shit but the <laughs> omen, finally <laughs> finally some priest i mean i've seen a priest jump out a window i've seen that 10 times a week but seeing one get impaled by a giant rod well that's something you gotta yeah right but no i i i I was exactly old enough to appreciate the film and realize why it was as impactful as it was. But, you know, again, even then, you know, I'm a secular Jew, you know, the idea of people saying random words and removing a devil, you know, a spirit from a person who's whatever is like, okay, you know, it's, 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 it's always been very abstract to me. <laughs> um, I, mean, I mean, Brandon, Debbie, no, I, I, huh? no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, finish, finish your thought. Sorry. Scott, finish what you're saying. Oh, no, it's, it's, uh, and yes, I did see the the quote-unquote version you've never seen on opening night in theaters, and that was the first time I had seen it in a theater. That's probably the last time I've watched this. Um, just because, again, I've always liked it a lot, but it's never one that I watched over and over again. Um, I mean, I, I prefer to watch, you know, real horror films, like The Omen. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon, uh, the statue, I mean, it is scary. And yes, like, I again, I agree with you as far as you know, obviously, yes, there's not like a lot of context given to what it's doing, but I do think just the framing of this thing 
certainly foreshadows plenty and is doing plenty to inform the tone of where this is going because we're going to now spend a good chunk of time not specifically in horror territory. I mean, it's. Let alone I mean, you're talking about an era when the audience was just trusted. This, these, they, they trust in the audience here to be intrigued by. They like the build. Yeah, and the film is so grounded and presented realistically. So I mean, there's not, you know, having just something like such a uh, an ominous image like that. I mean, it, it, it's not nothing, regardless of how much we we learn about it. Also, that statue was shipped by mistake to Hong Kong and it delayed filming for two weeks. Mm. Uh, <laughs> so another another curse going around. Thanks, yeah. Satan. Yeah, the, the, uh, the audience will always tell you they'll, they'll back and forth. Don't bore us, get to the course. And uh, they should have more character development and things. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, no. Since, right. we won't, since we won't see Max von Sydow for a while, we'll say that he was um, Friedkin's choice. He's who he wanted. But Paul Schofield, um, was someone that Blatty wanted. He wanted um, a tremendous movie. actor. That would be amazing too. But uh, yeah, Friedkin, uh, as we will find out throughout this film, Friedkin prevails in a lot of the things he asks for when yeah, it comes to what with... he wants in movies. Yeah. For a while there, huh? Uh, Wacky Willie was his nickname on this one. Um, hmm. Wacky Willie. Yeah. Wild Billy. Well, Hurricane Billy, I think, is the best one. But um, but yeah, it's a. Yeah. We'll talk about Friedkin as we go through this. Yancey, when did you first see The Exorcist? You know, I can distinctly remember when I was a kid not being interested in this movie for some of the same reasons Scott wasn't. I'm a Jew, so for me, like, I couldn't help being scared of Leatherface and Michael Myers and Jason and Freddy or whatever. Those things were just crazy. They're all, they're all dibbics. Right, but I took exactly, but I sort of, I guess as a kid, I took pride in the fact that I wasn't scared of the devil and I wasn't scared of possession and I didn't care about this movie. I didn't see it probably till the 90s um, when I'd become a rabid movie lover and just had to see it. But I saw all the other major 70s movies like, the you know, before this, mm, you know, but like Brandon said, I, I saw it first in the 90s. And I think every time I've seen it since I've liked it more and more to where now I think it's, you know, along with The Shining, probably objectively the greatest horror movie of recent of modern time, meaning since at least the code came in. I always wonder, you know, after this whole exorcism deal is over, do you think Chris goes back and finishes Crash Course for Warner Brothers and it turns out to be like a great movie? No, because every sequel says she goes on to write a book for yeah. some reason. Yeah. No, that's, yeah. that makes sense. I, think, we she talk- would. I think she'd be an actor for another 20 years. Well, we, we talked about it in the uh, our Exorcist Believer review. Like, when she comes up, they just call her, like, that lady. And I'm like, isn't she, like, an actress? Like, she's supposed to be based yeah. on, like, like that lady. lady. Like, she's she's sorry. like a famous she's celebrity. Like, were, they, were they shooting an indie film on campus? Like, <laughs> was, like a student film? Like, no. Like, they had a major... Like, yeah. I get like the kids are, you know, they're both young and possessed, so they don't know their film history. But like, you know, Leslie Odom Jr. is just walking around being like, yeah, there's that lady I met the other day. He's like, come on, Leslie, let's, let's get it together here. Well, she didn't want to do any sequel until the recent one, so they had to explain around her. In this, no, I'm, I'm not mean, talking about, about, Burst, I'm not talking I, about I, Ellen Burstyn. Uh, I'm talking about the Chris character. Oh. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, but I mean, that's what I mean. Like, uh, I she didn't exist before. She, I saw the sequel. Then. She didn't want to be there either, so. She didn't. What, did you see it, Brandon? Have you seen Believer at this point? Yeah. Okay. We're all there. We're all believers. <laughs> finally, we can finally delve into the spoilers on Exorcist Believer. I think it's hysterical how she's used in that film. It's so bad. Yes, oh, you were God. you were laughing quite a bit. I was. <laughs> yes. <laughs> He's not kidding. He was really laughing. I hey. was having a devil of a good time. Yeah, hey. 
And we talked about this on our Believer episode, but yeah. like, do you want to recap where when you first saw The Exorcist and why you watch it every year? Summer '96. Uh, I'll never watch it again. Uh, <laughs> really, no need. I was like 12, maybe 11, and um, yeah, uh, you know, uh, I I have no real strong inclination to go back and rewatch it. I mean, you could watch it with this commentary on, so you don't have to hear the Excellent movie. Excellent point. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Probably notice much more about the to go back to, or, or William Friedkin's commentary, which is excellent. I mean, Billy? <laughs> yes, Billy himself. How about um, you, Aaron? There's tubular so, bells, which already existed. Does everybody realize that tubular yeah. bells was actually an existing recording before this? It wasn't written for The Exorcist. It was a hit, Mike Oldfield that that oh, no, I... Friedkin chose. I I'm aware, and yeah, obviously Layla Shriflin. Um, has like the you know, or no, sorry, Jack needs Leila Tripp was involved. Jack needs is the, the music, but um, fun fact about that Bernard Herman uh, was mm-hmm. considered, Ooh. um, and even said yes, he was even like, Yeah, that, no, I'm into that. Uh, then he saw like a cut of the movie, and Friedkin and him, uh, if you can believe it, did not get along, and yeah. um, he did not have uh, the best <laughs> things to say, and wasn't a that their meeting did not go well. And then Bernard Herman would go as far to basically decry the film after it came out, being like, I would have made this and that, other choices or what have you. So he wasn't, so, wasn't big on either working with Friedkin or hearing what actually came out of all of this by the end of the day. So when I watched this the most recent time, and, and there's a lot of things that Friedkin's like way ahead of the curve on in terms of film trends, um, scoring and stuff is one of them. But when I heard the tubular bells used here, and this time there's part of that music when it kicks in, I'm like, man, this is like foreshadowing Goblin being used in movies. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it really feels like that kind of music before it became a regular thing. Good uh, point. Just like, just like he used um, uh, Tangerine Dream before, like, hmm. synthesizer and electronica stuff came out, and Tangerine Dream would be used by a lot of people afterward as well. And Michael Mann. Including Michael Mann, who's <laughs> the, the, the adversaries. I'm writing down buddies. I'm writing down horror movie scores for next year. That'd be a good topic to do, like top That's five. A good score. Yeah, like five, 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 five picks we could all have. That's a, I think that'll be. I don't want because I don't want to do it right now. Top five <laughs> electronic score horror movies. Not even top five, but just like five we want to pick and represent. I mean, we could maybe collectively come up with the top five. Yeah. This is Carpenter, 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 stuff we can Carpenter. talk about later. But I think that's a good idea. We should uh, number one Blair Witch Project. Number two a Ghost Story. Uh, <laughs> Paranormal Activity. <laughs> Chainsaw Massacre. Has amazing. <laughs> Um. Uh, when did I see this movie? I I did not see it until I wanted. When did version you never seen came out? Two thousand. It was two thousand. It was the something fifth anniversary. Two, so it'd be the nineteen ninety eight. Yeah, there you go. Ninety eight or ninety? No, it was ninety nine. No, I saw it in theaters in two thousand. It was two thousand, I believe. 2000? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 2000. Okay, yeah. two thousand. Beginning of my sophomore year in college. It was after Star Wars, and those had all been re released. So oh was, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Greece. Star Wars, like Godfather, had a huge re-release back in the '90s, and then like Exorcist got one. Yeah, it was, Star Wars had like 150 million dollar re-release, which definitely. Right. When did the Alien have its director's cut come out? Because that like got a, like a big. That was re-release. later. That was 2000s. Yeah, that was later. Like well into the 2000s. I've seen Alien plenty of times though. In 2000s, I can say because I saw I because I saw Apocalypse Now Redux. I saw that in theaters. As far as like mm-hmm. these kind of like let's bring it back to the theaters. That and was after this, right? That's after. That's after. Yep. That's like 2001, maybe 2002, 2001. Yeah. I think. Um, I didn't see this in theaters when they were releasing that, but that was when I, it's the film where like, I knew about it. Cause like, like AFI lists were coming out and everything. 
and like you know just cultural osmosis like i was certainly aware of yep. the existence never like i never like sat down to watch it as of yet and then that version came out i didn't see that in the theaters but i finally rented the exorcist uh i want to say it would have to be somewhere like at 2000 2001 somewhere in that realm where i could just or easily watch i could easily rent the movie as opposed to going to see it in the we're burning through the intro to jason miller here who i love this sequence where freaking just shows us this for all the good this guy does his mother lives in this crappy apartment across town and, and the, he sees the poor guy in the freeway the subway asking him for free change he used to be a catholic again i don't know whether modern movies would allow us to watch jason pat or jason uh miller walk 10 minutes across town like this movie does but man it really casts a spell oh they show like you know as all he does he lives in these like closets like, well, I'll in, the right mom, I didn't, yeah well, i didn't realize the catholic priest like live with just a desk and a chair oh, and that's yeah. And I think part of it is because this, I don't want to say this was the first movie about exorcism, because that's probably not the case, but it certainly had some work to do in terms of grounding the film in a relatable reality yeah. before it sprung these supernatural concepts that in 1973 weren't anywhere near as well known, mm-hmm. especially among the secular, as they are today. Very true. Mm-hmm. Um, I, so I, I think you know, the first act of this film really does do the work in terms of making this an otherwise real, plausible, grounded, authentic world. Yeah, it wasn't just Catholics who were freaking out when this thing was 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 playing. The reality of the movie convinces you to be Catholic for two hours, you know. Well, also the the the, the sheer notion of this young child spouting profanities and yeah. mutilating herself and killing somebody, you know, that in itself was macabre and taboo. Unheard of. Unheard of. It's like Psycho, even a bigger break than Psycho in terms of the modern horror movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, When you watch, I mean, not to bring up poor David Gordon Green again, but watching that, I'm like, what did they think was going to happen? This is about one fifth as intense as the original. They're not going to react. It's the problem that, you know, a legacy sequel like that has, you know, for something like that, it's like, you know, it worked 50 years ago because it was transgressive and it went against the grain of what you'd expect in mainstream cinema. Yeah. And it's but, very but, but Scott, Scott, what what if they had genre. what if they had two girls? <laughs> I think there's nothing in that David Gunn movie that's as transgressive as the and stuff. The aesthetic in- looked just like his Halloween movies. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was that bad guys. Um, and yeah, and, and Ad Dowd was there to make sure it seemed like everything would be fine. <laughs> Um, there, there are some neat. Think... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's fine. I, I will. I want to say, like, we'll bag on Believer all we can, but like, there were some neat uh, cribbings of Freakin that Green did pull off that I was like, eh, that's neat. That's, but then some of them he did a lot of times, or something like, that's not the point here, man. But like, there was some stuff that I was like, there was little moments of like being impressed, but they were like way too few and far between. You know, I said, yeah, like the first, a- the first hour of that movie, I think, is fine. It's nothing. Yeah, oh no, it's great, revelatory. It's but I mean, it, it's 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 passing mustard. Like it, then it just as soon as as soon as as soon as Ellen Burstyn, I was just ridiculous because she's great actress. As soon as she comes in, you just feel the the yeah, air just it's gone. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. To finish up my thoughts, to to finish up real quick on where I saw this movie. Like, I saw the movie, I have a similar reaction to Scott and Yancey for that matter, as far as the Jews are dominating this podcast. Um, (laughs) I don't have have this inherent, even being younger, because 2000, I'm, you know, 14, like, it's not a, 
it just doesn't phase me this kind of horror like that's not a thing that because it's just like it relies on i feel like certain views and certain just understandings of how the world works where if you're not a believer of that kind of stuff it's like well yeah it's not gonna it's pretty immune well, like religious horror is 99 based on christianity or catholicism most of the you know like yeah and so it's just not it's, it's not affecting but beyond but beyond beyond the nature of what it's you know what the demon is and all of this and what that represents like there it's certainly like startling to see the things that we're going to see involving reagan before we get to the whole exorcism stuff like i, I it was certainly well, easy to aliens or most it, of these things anyway so yeah, I can... so it was it was easy to recognize like there's great filmmaking here there's great work going on here i certainly always liked this movie i like hard pressed i wouldn't necessarily say best horror movie of all time because i have my own thoughts on that but i certainly put it up in the pantheon of these things like and i wouldn't decry anyone that announces it as such like it's it makes a lot of sense just of the sheer nature of the skill that goes into putting together a movie like this at this level for a mainstream audience doing it essentially first in realms like the scale of this thing or what it's going for like I it mean, has all the makings of I mean, after what the a horror classic tech. is he could have made anything and it would have been a masterpiece probably he was in the prime of his talent and he was allowed to do whatever he wanted it could have been a locked door drawing room of thriller would have been fantastic it just happens to be a, a satanist movie but i mean in retrospect well, it's kind of amazing how friedkin had like a one-two punch of completely revolutionizing the action film yeah and then for his next trick he'll completely revolutionize the horror movie yeah yeah and, and he and then, he took he took this cue it comes from uh, I mean like there's a stepping there's Rosemary's Baby sets up so this can go knock it out of the park here. yes that's pretty much yeah it's, it's prepared but you look at a movie like Audrey Rose which which Robert Wise did in this decade it's nothing really wrong with it but it's very much on this side of of keeping the audience safe whereas the Exorcist goes beyond it the Exorcist you go into the theater in, in 1973 you're going to see something you haven't seen before. They're going to stretch the boundaries of the R rating. And frankly, this, I mean, I'm so sick of hearing this, but this could never be done today. Mm-hmm. You know, it could almost not be done in 73 if it wasn't about a religious topic. Cause it, you know, a lot of people saw this as, as too far, including John Borman, obviously, if we ever get to that second movie, but this was really, people thought this was too far to go with, with the shock element of this movie. Well, it's cause I don't know where else you go that would like elicit that kind of reaction at this point. Like I, it's, it's not like there's, anything bigger than Christianity to call into question via a horror movie that you can, you know, do that out of similar. I don't there. think it's, I think it's just a little girl. I think it's a little girl being found. I mean, that's, that's certainly, there's certainly throwing aspects. I'm just saying in terms of like, what is, what is the thing that's like at the top of the ladder now that you can't possibly go after? I guess it's if Martin Scorsese made a horror movie about Marvel. Like, I don't know what else well, you no, no, can do I, to shock I, everybody. I think the next step of this isn't like the horror movie. It's, um, it's a, 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 a last temptation of Christ. That's the next thing that'll fucking drive people nuts and think they push too far. Yeah, in terms of what's coming next, yeah, I get that. I mean, now, like nowadays, I don't know what oh, else, what other, what other thing there is that's out there. Yeah, but that that, I'm possibly... saying, actually, believer is not anywhere near as hard uh, core as this movie. It's not. It's not as hardcore as. It's not as hardcore as when Evil Works, which came out the same week as Exorcist. No, but I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't have within it even judging them side by side without any, you know, inflation. The David Gore Green movie doesn't have the scares or shocks this movie does. That movie was never going to affect people the way this did. And even 50 years later, it's not even close to being as upset. If you take, let me just, we're going to miss the scenes. I just want to say it. Watching this movie on video is one thing, watching it on whatever and being able to pause it. Can you imagine being in the theater watching this in 73? 
feeling other people have told you this movie basically summons the devil and you see the flash frame of Pazuzu and you can't go back and rewatch it. You think you saw something, but you're not sure what you saw. It gets under people's skin in a way that's almost that's true. Obscene. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I like, I don't know. I, I think I think I would say with the new one, if you took out Burston in the new one and called it Twins of the Devil, it's a good hammer movie. It's, yeah. It's, just, I mean, there's, yeah. it's not, I mean, it's like it's forced. It's a force exorcist. Like this doesn't feel, I don't know, like it, it needs to exist or something. Like I technically it's not, it's probably not the worst. No, but I, I'd like, I would prefer to go watch the heretic again over the, <laughs> over the believer. Only excuses. Maybe they had a thought over the whole three that they're going to make. That's a new thing. Yeah. They're going to make three movies. Maybe they got a plan. Yeah. But that was, but yeah, that felt it, like a complete thought though. The believer that's the, that's the lucky thing they did. Was it didn't? There's nothing hanging after that movie. Right. Well, that, well, right. We really don't want to give anything away, but. But uh, yeah. no, I mean, I I think I didn't particularly love Believer, but I I even the second half, as silly as it gets sometimes, I did appreciate how it did sort of troll the audience in terms of certain franchise expectations when it came to legacy sequels in terms of you know potential marquee characters. Um, without going to details, there's a for me, it was a very funny scene where you have a <laughs> character that makes a proactive heroic choice in a way that's you know, um, you know, reminds you of Avengers Endgame, and then minutes later gets his ass kicked in a way that I thought was very funny. Um, and as far as as you know, of course, there would be a movie, you know, it'd be very hard to make a movie like this that would shock and and uh, traumatized like this because we know the tropes mm-hmm. and we well, also live in a scene in the last you know, 20 years it has a woman a little girl masturbating with a crucifix i mean there's nothing like that in modern movie it's like ken russell territory well, if, if you you definitely won't get it mainstream audience they'll relegate the challenging stuff to independent films and stuff like that and Lars von Trier so, could do this, maybe yeah, well, yeah <laughs> large von Trier films but like a lot of them it's a mixture of some people do it for the shock but have nothing behind it in terms of meaning or effectiveness and then you also have maybe not talented filmmakers but talented ideas writers but because everybody can make a movie so easily the independent ones might not have a touch of talent that adds to this this is full quadrant script um you know directing cinematography score uh it's all there this one's like everybody a plus like that's... i mean it's a merciless attempt to, to 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 disturb the audience and it almost it reminds me that 50 years ago i'm buying a movie ticket was a different thing i think back then you were slightly more willing to get whatever you got and now you get exactly what you expect or you're pissed you know which of course exodus 2 is one of the first examples of that but and one thing bringing it back to like believer but like looking at i, I don't know what is it's shot on film. It's lit differently. It's lit like something scarier just about looking at this movie than yeah. something that's got clean lighting and all. Like, I, I, I hate to be the old man yells at cloud and stuff, but that just <laughs> it didn't fit like this new one. And I'll go back. Even the the Rennie Harlan Paul Schrader thing, just looking at it was scary. Like this movie, just has a, it's got a creepy look to it. Uh, every time in the heretic, I'll give it that one has that, and so does the third one. Those those first three exorcists, 
Now, there's a lack of gloss that them. comes with these movies yes, that, yeah. that that you know, you equate that nowadays to honestly a two four horror films and indie horror films like mm-hmm. and international horror films for sure because there's just no you know like like Yancy I like I know you're a big fan of like Doctor Sleep and I like Doctor Sleep plenty too but I like I you know that's never going to be the shining for me because like it just inherently has a feel of like this is a production that's being made there's just something it's that's safe it's within the realm it's in that same audrey rose territory it's not gonna do anything to you that you're not prepared for we're like unlike say terrifier that, though, which, as love which does you know, it does i don't sleep. worship dr sleep but i think it's very good but even that i would say has at least one scene that you know presses the line in terms of what's acceptable in mainstream cinema and you know, in mainline, I'm thinking of the protected murder of uh, Jacob Tremblay. Oh yeah, which is not the kind of thing that you expect to see in a mainstream popcorn horror picture. Um, because horror is where we let some of this stuff and, through. And, you know, horror is where people let this stuff through a little bit, which is interesting. You know, people um, experience stuff that they wouldn't experience otherwise through horror movies, like some really edgy stuff. I mean, to cut you off, Scott's here. I, I think the- it's. It's almost never been easier to find transgressive and and challenging horror pictures of all sizes and scales. It's just we don't have a monoculture anymore. So the people that stumble upon them are shocked and are entertained. And then for the rest of the world, the movies don't exist. I, mean, I watched Talk to Me the other night, the new movie that everyone loves. And it's very good, but it doesn't. Yeah, that's a well, good example of one that's like, oh, I've never seen that before. But it didn't get under my skin. Again, like it wasn't impolite the way this movie is impolite. Well, getting I'm also your... 43 years old, so I mean, it's, it's, it's 150. You know. God help me. Um, <laughs> yeah, and a guy, that... yeah, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, oh no, I keep talking about the movie. Aaron's frozen, yeah. So, Pazuza got Aaron and this again. Is, this is uh, is this Jason Miller's brother, the uh, father, Mar- uh, Karis's brother, or. Uh, no, this guy right here. I've seen all the movies. This guy. Yeah, they got these unsettling hospital scenes that kind of add to. Yeah, the real world that's presented by freaking here doesn't seem like a godly place. It seems like a kind of a lonely, cold place. Right. The... This guy, Jason Miller, is really terrific. For someone who didn't want to be an actor, didn't want to take this part, he really combines the thought, the, the image of a boxer and a priest, so well. You know. The broken nose and everything. That's actually the one addition that I really like in the the quote unquote version you've never seen, which mm. is the much longer and more protracted hospital sequences when she eventually does come down with, yeah. you know, the demon, um, and those is that a very medical clinical... diagnosis, Scott, the demon. <laughs> well, I'm not a doctor, but yes. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, those are the scenes that people got sick at, where the the, the spinal tap scenes and stuff. Yeah, yeah. We talked about that during the um, Believer episode too, and just how the sign design in the Exorcist is is very good. Now straighten this out for me. I bet you know this, Brandon. Mm-hmm. One of the guys, one of the medical guys who was assisting in the spinal tap scene, actually went on to be the suspect in the case that Cruising was based on. Did you know that? No. Yeah. No. One of the wow. guys coming out in the scene actually went on to be the killer that cruising is ba- it, it was based upon the oh, the, wow. the bag killer. <laughs> oh, Isn't that crazy? No. Yeah, Again, this movie oh, wow. is cursed. Well, the thing with freaking freaking the thing with freaking is like he 
did non-traditional casting. He cast a lot of people. Like this movie, he cast an actual priest in a role. Um, in I mean, French Connection, he had actual like detectives and stuff and roles that like that's what he did. So he would bring probably people that he had actual mob people in Sorcerer, <laughs> and yeah, kinda, he like he's bringing bug. Yeah, yes, he did. Um, he got his results, man. The way he got him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and Father, the guy who plays Father Dyer in this, I was shocked. Later came out that he had been abusing children. Even the guy who played, you know, the piano playing charming Father Dyer who walks away with, uh, with, um, yeah, he's the priest. Yeah, he's the real, not to have priest. a bad, a, a shadowy past of, of being a abusing priest, which I'm like, God, I can't believe the guy from The Exorcist was a, mm-hmm. and there's Jack, what's his name? Jack McGowan. Isn't he the guy from, uh, Strange casting choice to play this director guy, but you never forget him, right? No, he, he gets all mad at the at the guy who thinks he's a Nazi, yeah. right? So, so like they cut uh, the the version you ever seen, right? They cut Reagan from fraternizing at this party, right? They just leave her. There's less of her. Never, she was never down there or something. Yeah, that's that's, so it's more to the point as far as when she arrives, she makes an entrance. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you might say, what does this scene have to do with anything? With uh, Jack McGowan going off, watching being a nuts. Wait a minute, was I in this? <laughs> <laughs> um, you want to talk about some of the people that were considered for these roles? God, yes. Okay, so, um, Shirley MacLaine was interested. Based uh, on the, the book, book is based is on based on her and her daughter. Uh, she knew her. She was friends Vladdy. with Vladdy. Um, ultimately, she did a different position movie. Um, Joy Delaney, never seen it. <laughs> no one else has it. Uh, for Chris, things get pretty interesting here. Um, Audrey Hepburn was oh. she wanted oh. to, she was willing to do it, but they don't only if they filmed in Rome. That was oh. the issue there. But she would, there's a version of this where Audrey Hepburn's like, Yeah, man, she said Rome if you for... want to, <laughs> she would have been good. Anne Bancroft was uh, also okay. down for it, but yep. she got she got Oops. pregnant, so she couldn't do it. Uh, Jane Fonda, but her opinions were becoming too much for people to handle. So she Dude, was just... Fonda and and Friedkin. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> uh, a famous, a famous, a famously peaceful shoot. They always said that would have been. Um, oh my God! Would have been an apocalypse now before apocalypse now. <laughs> among others, you have Lee Remick, who would go on to be an Omen too, of course. Uh, Omen two, Omen, the good one. Had had Fonda won for Clute yet? The Grant is an Omen two. Had Fonda won? Has she won her? Had Clute come out yet? Uh, Clute. I don't believe so. That's late seventies. No, Clute's earlier seventies, I believe. Clute is early. I don't think she was quite uh, legitimate yet at this point. She might have still been. There's an era of Jane Fonda I would have hated for this, but Clute seventy one. Yeah, that's before. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, you're right. Yeah, Clute was all right. Was Um, Carol Burnett, Raquel Welch. Uh, Geraldine Page, um, Debbie Reynolds, which you could also guess what that would also mean. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Carrie Fisher would be considered for Reagan. Um, as far as Reagan goes, some fun options here. Uh, Pamela Ferdin, um, who was in The Beguiled, and she was in Charlotte, she was a voice in Charlotte's Web, and famously a voice as Lucy in The Peanuts. Uh, oh, no kidding, really? And she's also in The Toolbox Murders, of course, Brandon. Um, but uh, she was considered too famous uh, for the role. Uh, Denise Nickerson, who was Violet in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, <laughs> um, considered also. 
Uh, Laura Dern was on the table. I imagine she was too young if I had to guess. Uh, Eve Plum, Jan on the Brady Bunch. Uh, wow. Brooke Shields, also because they're too young at the of time. Uh, the famous one is that Janet Lee would not let Jamie Lee Curtis audition. Uh, Friedkin's somewhat denied this, but that might have amounted to like a phone call and Janet Lee just said no or something like that. But she, even <laughs> You've then, reached still... the offices of William Friedkin. Please leave a <laughs> message. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah that's gonna have a few heavy hitters on the on the child actor table i suppose uh as far as karis goes oh boy everyone in hollywood consider nicholson, nicholson of course so just mm-hmm. imagine nicholson and audrey hepburn in a movie the exorcist <laughs> <laughs> might have worked it would have worked it would have worked, worked. Fine. i mean it would have it would have had an effect yeah um Let's power see. Christ compels you. Yeah. Oh, I, I almost forgot. I almost forgot for Marin. I, I focused on the Paul Schofield thing. I forgot about the other thing. Warner Brothers is like Marlon Brando. Oh no! still be shooting. I'm trying to make a movie about this, not a movie about Brando. And so he said no to that completely. Hmm. Uh, but as far as the, the Karis thing goes, yeah, we had Nicholson, Paul Newman, Dustin Hoffman, oh. Warren Beatty, all of the bigs, uh, Burt Reynolds, which would be interesting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Ryan O'Neill, if they wanted to make it a more boring film, Peter Fonda, John Voight, Robert Blake, uh, Christopher Walken, because they wanted to be weird. Um, Elaine Delon was on the table for some reason. They're like, let's get this guy over here. Finally, let's have a breakout from this movie. Uh, James Kahn, because they wanted an angrier version of Mar- of, of Karis, I guess. Uh, Scheider, of course. Uh, Elliot Gould, because they wanted a sexier version of Father Karras. So nobody, so Uh, Scheider campaigned himself for it, and he also had studio people, and he said Scheider, he said Scheider could never lead a movie. He's not a leading man. Uh. And then Jaws. And and then he proved him wrong with with Sorcerer. And it's a (laughs) (laughs) co-lead. But yeah, he, he and Scheider got really into it and had a falling out for many years because of this movie. All big stars and they chose a nobody. George Hamilton, because they wanted a very tan uh Karis, I guess, at some <laughs> point. And Stacy Keach, um, who was had the role for a good long while until Miller auditioned, auditioned multiple times, uh, because Ellen Burson needed to be convinced that she could work with a stage actor hmm. um on the big screen. Keach had it, um, uh, then he had to be bought out of his contract. Keach would of course go on to be in um the ninth configuration. <laughs> yep. From William Peter. Keach would have killed. Keach would have done this role just yeah, fine. And he basically did not somebody familiar as good. And it's not, you know, that's not the same role in that in configuration, but he's very good in that movie. Yeah, um, very good. Because Keach is very good in general. Um also uh, Alan Alda turned it down. Um, yes. although yes. to get a wait until dark re um reunion between him and Audrey Hepburn would have been interesting for that mm. movie. And uh, Pacino turned it down. Hmm. Um I, I yeah, imagine he had options in 73 as far as what he wanted to do. Um so yeah, every every everyone in Hollywood was considered for this. So Pacino works here. Pacino he, could work yeah, here. Yeah, I, no, yeah, he's he's got he's got it. Uh, Especially seventy three. That's like when he's still he's very quiet. He's he's not, you know, it's even before Dog Day at that point. Like he's just a. There's a lot of those guys that are too star powery to make the role really effective, and I like the the fact that you have a lesser person that like Jason Miller here because mm-hmm. there's an uncertainty, a vulnerability, and an unpredictability because you're not familiar with the actor like a paul newman you know what he's gonna bring but it that i don't know if that's right for this role 
Here's some yeah. creepy shit. This always creeps me out. Oh, there it is. The subway. Yeah. I like him like stranded on that island in the street. That, yeah, that's, like, that's like this a... whole thing is like, what the now you're in the theater 73. You think I think I just saw something flash on the screen, but I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. And why there? Why'd you put it there? Yeah. And that's is that the, that's the only place it goes. And only then, in this version. And yeah. in the version you've never seen, it's a reflect it's on the All reflection the on the, the the range on the stove. It's like yeah. yeah. I I don't dislike that. I can see. Yes, it takes like it takes away. I think from the impact that Freakin's going for. And although he made that movie, I mean that's the version he had. So I mean that's what he wanted at some some points. But I don't mind that stuff. It does. It does feel more. I don't know. I don't want to say gimmicky, but it feels more. They add jumps give, and stuff to give, that. Give it. It's more that, like yeah. giving the audience a few more bones as far as watching a horror movie. But it's not like they're not disturbed by some of the stuff they're seeing. So no, the, the version you've ever seen is not a bad movie. It's not a bad movie, maybe at, at all. all. They have as an alternate, yeah, totally. And it's got I that just, ending. Which I think it feels it, feed, it feeds more into Exorcist Three. Exorcist Three is like the sequel to that version. Well, because he gave that ending because that's the ending Blatty liked, and that's the right. ending Blatty wanted, and that was his favorite to his friend when it got re-released. So they went with this. Huh. Did Freakin ever come down and say which one he in the end liked more? I, I think sure. around the time he said he liked the version you never seen. I'm sure it's that because he that. he he had a 140 minute cut of this movie that he thought was perfect. He thought that's the putt, that's the what what we're doing. Well, he didn't Warner like Brothers. the ending. They fought about the ending for they years. About, but yeah, yeah, but he had this longer cut that he liked, and Warner Brothers like, let's get it two hours. And you know, he, and the ending he is acquiesced. Just and like, and the cop becoming friends, it's not really that different because the first one has the diary just looking down the stairs. No, yeah, it's not. It's not like Rennie Harlan came in and reshot the movie. It's, it's yeah, still right. freaking Exorcist, regardless. <laughs> well, that's the funny thing about this movie too. It's got this whole element of movies. Chris is a movie actress, and 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 I forget, I'm forgetting the name of uh, of of the, of the the cop character who Jersey Scott later plays. But, oh, he loves or, he likes movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're constantly talking. In fact, at the end of the, the end of the version you've never seen, they're talking about movies. You know, like it's like, and he goes, you know, you're Salminio. Like, there's a whole uh, element of what movies are in this that's interesting. You well, know? you know, what's what's hilarious is you watch this, you watch this now, and when I first saw it, and uh, when he tells Father Karras, he's like, you know, you look like that boxer, and you'd think, oh, Stallone, but it's like, wait, this is a couple of years before, Three years, years before, before Rocky, yeah. and, but yeah. like that's who he reminded. Like when I first saw the movie, I'm like. Oh, that's cool. And then I'm like, wait a minute. And then I realized, like, oh, Rocky came out after. Like, that's wild. Like, but it was a different boxer he's referring it's to at the time. Funny but... you say that because when we were talking about, you know, possible people who would be father, uh, Karis, Karis, character. Oh, that's what's Baron. Brando Baron. is considered, but it's he plays the same. He would have played the same role as he did in Superman, which is showing up at the beginning to lend the film a certain aura of prestige and respectability. And then more or less vanishing from the picture afterwards. Yeah, but the stories oh. on set will be legendary, though, about him going to Iraq. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> him demanding all kinds of cabanas and stuff while he waits for it to film. An I, I vacation to that multiverse. Mm-hmm. Well, now um, I'm thinking but of if, if, Christ, if Christ's power doesn't compel me, why would it compel her? Also, can if I have a I small version of me that, walking yeah. around while I'm in Iraq? Yeah. Um, yeah. If Brando was in this movie, more than one person would got punched during a shoot. I'll say that. <laughs> so we're coming up on the stuff that uh, most many people consider to be the scariest stuff in this film, um, which yeah. is watching Reagan get this. Because uh, we know what this could feel like. We don't know what a possession would or, be. Like. Or at least we, we don't. We don't. Yes. Yeah. There you can. The, See, the, one the, of these the, guys. One of these guys was later a major suspect. This oh, yeah. This is what, yeah. You, um, Aaron. Yeah. The, 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. The lead guy murdered somebody. Yeah. Uh, one of the guys, no, the guy helping the, the, the thing um, was just an actual tech at, at the hospital at the time um, was later the suspect. He like murdered a journalist. <laughs> I think he, he was like the, 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 the Greenwich village or whatever cruising is about like killing gay guys and leaving them in plastic bags or something. Um, so this stuff in a spinal tap just because of this movie this stuff is it's it's not good <laughs> it's, um, you think, well, why is it in the movie it's effective and it's and like I'm this stuff here, like, and the then de- just let the blood just yeah that's it's real the de- like, it's that's... that extra detail it's that extra detail of like not only are you like inserting a needle inside of you're inserting a whole thing and that, then you know, like the when they pull the little cap off and the needles they're like it's just and it's the real world this is the real world we're watching. there's, there's yeah. nothing that doesn't make this not look real like this feels like yeah this is like um, Linda Blair is just getting this out of the screen right now. Never. <laughs> Abe left the room. I didn't want to hear yeah. about it. <laughs> it's like, but I'm watching through uh, covered eyes. Give me Pazuzu, like, please. There's just a long cord connected to his headphones that he's talking uh, to. Zoo, zoo. Just loud metal, uh, zoo, little, zoo. loud metal machines. Like it's. Yeah. There's never a second where Linda Blair is not believable in this movie, which is quite something to say. Yeah, this is her first thing. Like she had like yeah. a commercial. Ever? That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is it. Yeah. This is, she she it. She, like her mother, I think her mother was like her new Blatty somehow or something, and like she just huh. like got a you know got a foot in the door basically. And, and yeah, I gotta <laughs> and say just... too, when you're making a legacy sequel, The Exorcist, and you want to bring back a star to sell it on. It's Linda Blair. Like that's who you sell the Exorcist best you can on, not Burstin or You gotta whatever. make three movies, like, Brandon. They spent four hundred million bucks. I know, but like <laughs> Linda movies. Linda Blair is the the face you put with the Exorcist. Yes, she's been she was in the the notoriously bad sequel, but she's the one that she's the person, the actor in her career has been based around the Exorcist. Yes. Savage Streets is amazing, but I could go on someone on the street. They don't know what Hell it night. is. Roller Boogie, classic, but nobody's gonna, nobody but me cares. So, Hell Night. Hell I mean... Night is awesome, but the Brandon Peters collection. Yeah, my Linda Blair collection. Yes. <laughs> this, uh, this, this shot right here, by the way, because this, like, we don't have Steadicam is not a huge thing at this point. This is that whole show where they have to go up the stairs and everything. That's not a that's not an easy thing to pull off. I'm just right. point that out. Like we're getting to this stuff, which is very elaborate. She's mm-hmm. rocking her head back and forth. But just that simple shot of like, here's urgency. Let's show that. And he, they go up the stairs in a long mm-hmm. continuous shot. You know, like like Halloween gets a lot of credit for being like one of the first ones to use like a steady cam. And for Speaking of steady cam, Halloween. Uh, Dean Cundy shot Linda Blair in Roller Boogie. Okay, there you go. Moving on. I mean, that's <laughs> it's just it's stuff like I mean, it's stuff that you're pointing out though. Like like the like the way the Iraq footage looks different than other footage. Yeah. What what he's doing with. Oh boy, we're getting all this stuff too. <laughs> but what he's doing with like the documentary feel at his films in general at this point, like there's just stuff Friedkin's pulling off here that it's not a surprise that he's you know has a best director Oscar, let alone gets nominated again. I mm-hmm. mean, he's it's a really well crafted movie that happens to be a major studio production at the you know basically the peak of New Hollywood era for directors. I yeah, mean, he yeah. has. We talk. We talk about so... you know we he talk about the... steel. We talk about Spielberg and Scorsese and and uh, among others as far as like, especially Lucas and Spielberg as far as blockbusters or what have you. But it's like, Freakin's right there knocking out. He's, not, no, not he's the king in the early 70s. Godfather and this. 
Yeah. It's the Godfather in this in terms of we let these guys decide yeah. everything and they yeah. in they terms of like, in terms of like the, in Godfather, terms of like the, yeah. the pop culture phenomenon that is Star Wars and Jaws that's one thing but yes Godfather saved movie theaters when that came out uh, but and then, yes it this was, was the Godzilla v Kong of its day this and this was a massive hit as well I mean, this is still this would I mean, never it, have been the movie had the studios been in control yeah. this is the only movie you get when you put William Friedkin in charge who just won an Oscar for French Connection you know this would never would have come out of any other sort of corporate you know i you know so it's it's only 73 when you've gotten this movie and only that s- small period of new hollywood where they were trusting it i always then wonder I what jaws and star wars we, all, and they, and we also get the last well is it 71 like the last good hitchcock movie frenzy comes in this in this yeah. era as well i like family but, plot what's up with nobody likes fun, fun thing hitchcock did the one hitchcock chose not to buy the rights to this novel yeah. There's a version where he maybe could have tried to tap tab- tab- yeah. this way beyond him. He's not interested in I'm sure something so blatant. Where can he hide his little jokes? There's nothing he still wouldn't, out. He wouldn't be It'd just be a different movie. <laughs> I mean, like he'd throw, thing... he'd throw out the book and do his own thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, because one of the strengths of this movie is the collaboration between Blatty and Freakin. Like they really bonded, got a friendship, okay. and he really wanted to do his book justice. And then free and Blatty wanted to make like so Blatty was really consulted a lot on this film in tandem, and they had a long friendship after this. And Blatty really, you know, I really respect Blatty. He he really wrote this book because he was afraid that the world was becoming godless, which I'm not a religious person, but he really, really like was was sort of terrified by the 60s, and that's why he wrote this book because he was afraid that God was slipping away from. And I would say that they got their wish with this movie. And it, it surprised the hell out of Friedkin because he's known for making, uh, writing uh, Blake Blake Edwards movies. Like, he's not this guy. He's not a guy that writes insane religious horror films. That's not the William Peter that he knew. And, it, and that got Friedkin excited. That's, you know, that's part of why he's like, let's do, what, what's this? What's this you have? Has, anybody, have you guys, has anybody read this book? If, Brandon, have you read this? No, I never, a, read, a, I never read Abe this. reads it word by word for um, 37, 37 years now. So he's... um. <laughs> He's, 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 he's getting, getting the there. wolves in this picture. <laughs> I mean, this movie probably also like feeds into what would later become the satanic panic of the eighties. If you think, oh about yeah, it, because this starts oh, yeah. a wave, starts a wave of movies. Yeah, we that, get the Omen. That, we get that, well, we get that, a then Sentinel. Winds up we get... being the Amityville horror, which is based off bullshit that <laughs> became a phenomenon <laughs> itself, yeah. and is a movie that probably is greenlit in the wake of. Someone probably said, like The Exorcist yep. uh, at some point. And also um, in the book, uh, was it The Long Goodbye or The Big Goodbye? Uh, they talk about how this movie's success, when The Exorcist box office numbers came in, it was huge. It was the beginning of the end because the businessmen saw it and were like drooling and started moving to Los Angeles because... Oh, really? This is this is where the beginning of the end because everything was going to change because they saw how much money this movie made and that all oh there's these kind of profits in it and they were going to start infiltrating in there and and people like it was like the end that well you could see it uh, from yeah. this uh, on there you know they still have the decade and they'd just be you know there'd be some cooperation until they're just anxiously waiting for your heaven's gate to drop and then. And you can't trust these, you know, one guy did it, so you can't trust any of them, you know. And Exorcist 2, I think, is a big one, though. I never mentioned, I think that's a big one of those, too. That was again, Borman. Yeah, being I mean, t- this is Borman coming off of Zardoz, too. So, yeah, but like, again, it's, it's like, totally like, trusting Borman with making a movie, and he, right, right, 
Newport and then blew it, you know. So it's like there goes that idea. They yeah. can't trust these artists, you know. Yeah. This is where they put in a lot of Pazuzu jump scares. I remember that specifically when I watched the I've only seen that version, I think maybe twice, maybe total. Oh, was it people were going to see this multiple times for the sort of roller coaster? True. Uh, that's what it was. It was a dare film. It was, a, oh my gosh, you're going to change. You know, you really like it's this kind of movie where you probably thought you were going to see like proof of something or some sort of yeah. like life affirm. And which is why I feel like I always said that I think one of the things with Prometheus when it came out, one of the disappointments was I think people thought like the secret of life was actually going to be found in that movie. And it, it's, it's a. <laughs> It's a, that's it's the a only reason Scott movie. doesn't like it. That's it's a why horror movie with some ideas, wrong. but I think I think there was some that's sort of a reason, yes, subliminal weight on this movie. Like it was going to explain to us like this life affirmation rather than alien. You know, like it, like it was. I think there was a lot of ideal weight thrown on that movie before even seeing it, and this movie had that sort of thing where, oh my gosh, I'm going to see something real here, and they're going to explain to me, mm-hmm. you know, this religious, you know, mystery. That well, cut to 1999 in the Blair Witch Project. Oh, we're going to do something real. This is real. Yeah, yeah, that kind movie. of thing. Yeah, there's that There's that weird thing that I think lumped. Yeah, that's why one thing I think lumped on Prometheus when it came out with, you know, at least the I steam. Think Prometheus is an interesting example. You're right. And it also fits into the sort of early to mid 2010s spree of movies that are implicitly otherwise about, you know, God is real and he either doesn't care about you or he fucking hates yeah. you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, Noah, Prometheus, even Man of Steel to a certain this, extent. This is the end. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Billy Graham uh, said that there was a demon in the film cells of The Exorcist. He, he Which is going to make people go see it. Billy he Graham. would know. He was yeah. creeping his way into the White House at that point, yeah. He's they talking were, about the they, 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 they went two ways on that as far as the, the um, plans for promoting this film goes. Like, at one, the one hand, they're like, uh, I hope the uh, Catholic Church or whatnot don't condemn this movie. And on the other hand, they're like, I really hope they do because that'll be. Well, that's the thing. That's, the best. <laughs> so that's Billy no, Graham saying don't. bullshit like that. That that is only that only is good for both parties because yeah. one, you're gonna the movie is gonna even like the people who are like, oh, I'm gonna see it. It's dirty. It's bad. I got, but I gotta know. And then you have the people becoming religious off you know this this damn thing you think it probably was responsible for conservative uh pushback this movie in a lot of ways for the reagan and everything uh, there there very much was there are wild stories about the audience reactions to this film there's you know faintings and what have you and whatever other things that either occurred or became rumors of things occurring but there are also plenty of it, cities that were like you know what we should uh not allow people to show this movie because we're worried about the children of course they right. want to stop the children from seeing it and, and they were cutting children, it too, i think they were cutting it in various they, they they were doing plenty of things. They were, and they uh, went to the point of um, suing projectionists for playing the movie, um, and <laughs> even winning some of these cases, which were then overturned by the Supreme Court. Um, yeah, it uh, wasn't a not the most controversial movie of all time by any means, but it certainly uh, had its effects oh. on the uh, on Middle America. And, and you know what? If you oh, make this movie, movie if you make the movie about an adult getting possessed. We don't have that stuff here. Mm-hmm. It's because, you know, when you want to scare those conservative people, it's, oh, it's the children, you know, that's that's who you're worried about. The, the, the sex trafficking It's the children. Um, it's they always put fear on, oh, it's going to happen to the kids. So when you make the exorcist or write it, it's a child you got to put here. And you that, know, that, blood, that blood shot is, of. That yeah, shot well, of the oh. doctor. That shot of the doctor, real quick. That was a very deliberate homage to Marty Balsam and Psycho. That was Martin Balsam oh, okay. totally falling backwards. Oh, yeah. Yep. 
Um, and and Vladdy's not wrong. Religion was out in the United States by the the mid the early seventies. Like it was gonna fizzle away, and then it made a big old comeback through the seventies and crazy, well yeah. in the eighties. Then you get the omen and the real horror, and yeah, yeah. sure. Some people say this is when the movie really starts. Lee J. Cobb. Lee J. Cobb gets her. They're like, finally, 58 minutes in, the movie started. One of the greatest screen actors who ever lived, I'm sure all of us. It's one of his last movies, too. He's just fantastic in here. This is a pretty explicit three act structure where she pisses on the floor in about 39 minutes in the film, and then they start getting serious about the exorcism stuff and around. 150 you know 75 76 minutes give or take more movies um, should have a character piss on the floor at the end of the first act to really signify that we're jumping ahead that would have made paddington solid act better. break <laughs> <laughs> that is where they stop it in those intermissions Up for the killers of the flower moon though by the way. <laughs> <laughs> best scene in paw patrol 2 that's if they're dogs uh, as far as the, the um, for what it's worth. as far as those People who are, tell me I look like Paul Newman, cute. As far as those that were ejecting to the film, it extended to certain actors as well. Peter Cushing, uh, famously called this blasphemous, and he would not see it. Uh, he was warned by Christopher Lee, apparently, who told him not to see it. Oh, Chris um, Lee's a stick in the mud. Of course, he'll not to see it. Yeah, he told his best friend Pete not to see it, and he's like, "I'm not. No, no, thank too you." Much, Chris, too much Peter. Stick to now let me, like the Wicker Man. Let me, go, now, let me go hunt vampires then. Now let me go put my teeth in my mouth and bite this person. Meanwhile, Chris Lee is appearing <laughs> on both him in pornographic Jess Franco movies in the seventies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. By the way, Friedkin not always the first choice for this movie certainly he and Vladdy were like the ones getting on and wanted to do this but uh mike nichols turned it down um arthur penn was considered stanley kubrick was considered he wouldn't do it obviously but he would go on to say pretty good and his i assume it's one of his it's what it goes on to be one of his favorite movies but he like he does have his quote is just like that was a perfectly nice picture. Like I think he had some like Stanley Kubrick kind of quote he would give. John nice... Borm, John Borman was considered, and he turned it down at the time because he thought no one's going to want to see this crap. It's Vlad, and then he goes on to do Exorcist too. Um, uh, and, and Peter Bogdanovich, of course, was considered the Bogs. There's these weird oh, movies that Peter Bogdanovich gets attached to. I'm like, he is not right for this at all. What like, did he ever like made? The getaway, like. Well, targets, targets is targets would be the cool, closest because like, that's more genre-y. Yeah. But like, yeah, it's not. You know, his new Hollywoodism is not yeah. really leaning towards this area at all. Yeah. I would say. Shepard's got to be the mom. Ryan O'Neill's the priest. Ryan O'Neill's definitely in that version. Uh, Reynolds, probably. Uh, Mark Rydell was also considered. He, of course, directed one of Brandon's favorite movies, On Golden Pond. Love that movie. Oh, so good. <laughs> they should really, you know, I love it when a father and daughter work out their differences through a movie rather than in real life. It's great. <laughs> Or a forgotten seventies guy. He was a, one of those guys at the time. He has he, a he has a blo- a weird list of films where it's like, I guess this guy was pretty big. <laughs> like he, he did movies. Cinderella, Liberty, and Harry and Walter go to New York. And Harry and Walter go to New York was a huge flop. Uh, with Con, of course, Con and Gould, the two the two of the the sexiest men in Hollywood that could have been in this movie. Keaton and Kane, that's a cast. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see what else here. Yeah, that's it for the directors. But yeah, there is certainly there are some options out there. But yeah, William Peter Blatty and Friedkin were friends, and that was that's what the way it was going to be. Mike Nichols yeah, could be interesting. We, Mike, Mike Nichols, Nichols could have been very interesting. interesting. Nichols, yeah. You know, I, I like can see Khan doing the shout yeah. to yeah, Reagan. Yeah, 
Kyle would have thrown her out the window at the end instead of himself. <laughs> Why don't we throw her out? Makes more sense to me. Get rid of her, you know? Someone's going to die. Spits pea soup out here. These are $1,000 pants. What are you doing? <laughs> Just play funny again. Slaps her. <laughs> it is interesting to introduce this new character. Slaps Karis also for no reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are you bringing me in there? <laughs> He's married, apparently, in my version. That's, that's yeah, who yeah. They've, they've recast it. He's younger. He's younger and angrier. Definitely I like the way you get a lot of, like, it's not just Lee J. Cobb just, like, at this movie. He's in this movie for, like, a while now. He's like, this is like, let's yeah. do this. Let's uh, let's have another perspective on how this whole exorcist stuff's going to happen. For what it's worth, Blatty's sequel is a great sequel, I think. The third oh, one. Yeah. The, the third, third one, yes. The third one's solid. Following this character, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. You know? He's good as a director, too. That's a surprise. Yeah, thing. he's really good. He feels like yeah. this movie. Yeah. Yeah, having only just recently watched that and Ninth Configuration, no, I was what coming out of this, like, why is he not doing more? Get more Blatty movies in here. Like, it's, I, I'm really impressed with what he was able to pull off. Yeah. I need to catch up on Ninth Configuration. Is it any good? Yeah, 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 it's real good. Yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed it. I will funny weird movie. Yeah, it's very good. I counted among I, I rank it in within this exorcist thing. I think it just it's a very natural fit in the realm of these. I mean, if we're counting the yeah. uh, the Schrader and the Red Harlan movies, like that's just as removed as these things are, even yeah. though it has Marin in it. But you know, to lesser effect, uh Wes Craven borrows this hospital stuff in Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, he does. Uh, with Nancy, yeah. like, there's a there's a clinical nature to the to like a lot of that stuff too, as mm-hmm. they're kind of like figuring out like Dream Demon, huh? What's going on here? Yeah. The way this movie unfolds, it really does seem to take place in a kind of banal, regular world. It's like it's not very much the point. The yeah. Horror movie unfolds, you know, like you know, Lee J. Cobb has no idea what's going on up in that room. He's sort of asking his questions, you know. It, yeah, yeah, what I like is that it really does. It it it's like a. I don't know, reverse Occam's razor, where they're like finding all they're troubleshooting all the ways that of things that it couldn't be before we finally get to, all right, let's do the the weird religious thing that the, the yeah. Catholics have kind of hidden in their back closet here. Like mm-hmm. they're like ruling out every thing, and, and Freedom's gonna show you that. He's gonna show you every single thing with all these different doctors and all these different methods and show you, yeah, none of that's the answer. Like we have we to haven't seen that one for two hours. Eliminated every possibility, <laughs> the only remaining possibility, no matter how outlandish must be the answer. Mm-hmm. I think I butchered that, but you get the idea. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll look it up. We'll find out the real version and throw you off the Rickenbacker Falls. Peace was never enough. <laughs> what did Burstyn do after? I mean, what was her? I know, obviously. Well, Alice doesn't live here. Is like she's promoting Alice. this movie as Alice is like being filmed. <laughs> um, and then what's the next biggest thing for her um, coming after this? I definitely, unfortunately, get her and Louise Fletcher combined sometimes. Like, I feel like she must have been up for Nurse Ratched just because. Maybe I'm I did that at the time. I feel like I, I just like narrowed her down to like three roles for her with Cuckoo's Nest for Ellen Burson. It's like she seems like a consistent presence. Yeah. Um, she's fantastic. I, I mean, she's a fantastic actor. Well, maybe, maybe Burson suggested Bogdanovich after like last picture uh, shows. Like, you know, what if, uh, what if he got in here? Uh, let's see. What burst? The Providence. Obviously, Requiem for a Dream was her late sort of. Yeah, late, yeah, much yeah. later on. Resurrection. It's a lot of it's a lot of dramas. It's a lot of yeah. Like... She had the Ellen Burstyn. She, she had the Ellen Burstyn show in '86 and '87. Probably. Looks like it got canceled. Uh, starring Megan Mullally. 
Oh, uh, young Mega Molly, I'm sure. Sixteen mm-hmm. year old. Oh, as opposed to old Mega Molly, they didn't time travel her back for that one. Harvey Keitel showed up show. on it. There's Fritz. Audience go wild. I bet they yeah. do. They cheer when he comes in, and he goes, "Ah, shut the fuck up!" No. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like lighter dramas. Actually, it looks like. I mean. The other thing, it's like um, both her and Linda Blair got like major back problems off of this movie. Like they suffered oh, big injuries. Oh, she got crushed by the bureau or whatever. Got, right? yeah, yeah, she got crushed by the thing. Linda Blair got like scoliosis. I mean, like it was this was not an easy thing uh, to go through with making this film. There's, I have a, there's a whole bunch of stuff uh, that we've already talked about a little bit. But there's yeah, there are back injuries. One of the carpenters on the film cut his thumb off. A lighting tech lost a toe. Uh, there were various deaths among the cast and crew and like people that were close to them after the fact. I yeah, mean, it happens on the whole 10 yards. Nobody says the whole 10 yards is cursed. <laughs> but it's just what happens on a scary movie. They say that. <laughs> Have you seen the whole 10 yards? That thing is no, cursed. I, <laughs> I yeah. haven't. I'm scared. Is, is Michael Clark Duncan still alive, Yancy? I don't think so. <laughs> He's great. Um, a bird flew into a circuit breaker and like shut everything the curse down. Curse of Gone with the Wind. Everybody <laughs> from Gone with the Wind is dead. Oh my God! Um, sprinkler down. Like actually, the, the circuit breaker thing. Uh, the circuit. A bird flew into a circuit breaker. Like ruined everything except for Reagan's room. That was the one thing that didn't like get affected by it. Just kind of weird. Uh, there was sprinkler damage to like some of the sets at one point. Like it just. It the list goes on. Like there's so many terrible things that happened during this movie. Here are these steps, by the way, the famous exorcist steps. My dad told me about these because he was grew up in Maryland and he was very oh, did he? steps. Yeah. He grew up in And they have like a plaque now, right? The exorcist stairs. Now they do, yeah, they have a plaque yeah. there, yeah. Not used in Exorcist 2. They had to use different stairs. <laughs> Georgetown would not let them shoot. And the stairs asked for too much money. Yeah. <laughs> um Stupid joke. <laughs> the, uh, uh, but what I was saying is, like, I think I embarrassed it. I think she just wanted to do like lighter stuff for a while. Because yeah, was King of funny. Marvin Gardens? That's a great movie. Was that right before this? Maybe King of Marvin Gardens is that has. I think that's before. Yeah, yeah, it was a great first in role. It's not a showy role at all, but she nails it. You know, yeah, seventy two. So yeah, it was right before this. Uh, so I tend to like. Get her like you said, uh, Louise Fletcher, but I like uh, sometimes Diane Weiss. I mistake. I'm like, was Alan Burstyn? Those I can throw together. I can see that. Yeah. Alan Burstyn was never in a Woody Allen movie. No, she wasn't. Because they had Diane Weiss. (laughs) They had Diane Weiss. And and Keaton kept kept vetoing it. I'm just making that up, but that'd be fun. Well, Lee J. Cobb weird grudge against Alan Burstyn. I feel like Lee J. Cobb is fake bald for this. Was he that bald? Seems very bald for this. Maybe he's older. You know, hair goes. Kinderman. Meanwhile, you still haven't seen Max Moncito for a hundred minutes. Yeah. And he's the title character of the movie. Long flight. Long flight from Iraq, yeah. Mm-hmm. Flight for yeah, that's reason. <laughs> you got um, there a lot of delays. There's some there's some uh repairs that needed on lost his luggage. So are we gonna talk uh franchise sequels at all here? Or are we just gonna yeah, sort let's of do it? If you want to, we can. I mean we watched them all this last we've, few weeks just for you we've, guys. We've alluded to some of the our thoughts on the sequels already, but I mean yeah, they, repossessed in canon. If you, if you want to be Scott, <laughs> you make me a, you make me a believer. 
Yeah. We talked believer plenty. I don't think this is bad as you guys, but it's a whiff. It's, I don't think it's terrible by any means. I th- I get well, I give it. I gave it either. No, a, I think I gave it a four or something. Like it's like it. It's below average, but I didn't. I gotta it. say, it's better than last night at Five Nights at Freddy's. I have to say. Well, yeah, well the audience good, really good. Good on you. Good. Like I mean, I'm just comparing <laughs> bad movies to each other. I don't know yeah. what to get tell you, but yeah, I just. I, believe has got his touch. He's a good director. It's just not. My, his, it's, my no. issue is the same on both of those, though. I'm just bored by them. I don't. Yeah. Think, and it's and it's largely answer what you're saying. I mean. If you're making a sequel to The Exorcist, you really need to like find something to tap into because the problem with exorcism films is they're not The Exorcist. Every <laughs> exorcist film has this film to go after, and it's such a definitive version of this kind of story where like there's room to do stuff with zombies, even though Romero's like pretty much did the, the best he possibly could with zombie movies. There's plenty of room for vampires and all kinds of monsters. Exorcism stuff. I like. Can you name like five great Exorcist movies that aren't this? I mean, that stand out. Not that, but every single sequel was a re- uh, ignored the other sequels, right? Every single time they've ignored every sequel that's come before. So it's just impossible to recapture this. I just watched the series. Well, the, well, you the, know, the, the beginning doesn't necessarily because it's a prequel, so it might consider <laughs> right. <laughs> if you choose your own adventure and you want to go chronological. Oh, Abe's leaving for a second because he's really scared right now. I see the message. Okay. All those Lee J. Cobb hands. Those, those insert hand shots from Lee J. Cobb. Yeah. They're getting so, so exorcist movies that aren't the exorcist, like what exorcism of Emily Rose? That's a pretty good yeah. one. Like that's uh, a good one as far as it's novel. Like it's like that's a that's a neat approach. Was, it's a courtroom drama and a horror movie. That's what, something. That's something. What was different. the found footage one? That the last exorcism. The last Yeah, I was like, that wasn't bad. Like, See, I, like, I, I don't like that movie. I'm glad it has its oh. fans. Obviously, it has the fans because it got the inexplicably titled Last Exorcism 2. Oh, <laughs> I never saw that one. But, like, yeah, I get that that movie has, I'm, I'm not big on it, but whatever. If you like it, you like it. But, like, well, I like it. I mean, it, if, if we're saying, like, some obscure 2010s film that's found footage is, like, decent enough, and that's, like, one of the best examples we got. I mean, yeah, there's not a lot of good exorcism movies. The Conjuring no, films I, kind of deal with that to an extent, right? Movies, but yeah, there's the there's the knockoffs. There's the Beyond the Door. Um, there's <laughs> the Manitou, which I I told you guys about in the messaging. Which those are. I'm quite the, fond of the Haunting in Connecticut, which is kind of an exorcism. Where does that take movie. place? Uh, Utah, Malibu. What's the sequel called, by the way? <laughs> What's the uh, something Still really haunted. dumb, like a. Like a haunted, the haunting in Jersey Shore. <laughs> it's something like yeah, it's, it's literally like the haunting in Connecticut, colon Pittsburgh or something. Like, I'll look it's, it's like oh, it's like oh, it's like Alabama or something. All of a sudden, it's like <laughs> the haunting. Um, I'll be honest, I have not seen that one. You know what I really liked? Uh, the un- the unholy. It came out the same weekend as Godzilla v Kong. Yeah, you're the one and guy that likes that movie with Jeffrey Dean Morgan, right? That's the Jewish yes. one. The one Yahoo. Unusually compelling. And you were, no spoilers, but it is an exorcism movie that doesn't contain a conventional exorcism. Hmm. And yeah, I thought you were referring to. There's another movie called The Unholy, right? With uh, it doesn't seem like a title you could not replicate yeah, very I, often. I, yeah, I, yeah I, sure. Yes. <laughs> With Ben Cross, yeah. That, ah, Ben yeah. Cross, of course. <laughs> yeah. Oh wait, that's that's uh, the one, one. No. No, oh, yeah, that, yeah. that's uh, that's like that's 2013. Like, I have not seen this film, The Haunting in Connecticut 2, Ghosts of Georgia. There we go. Yeah. 
Uh, ghost of George. That makes sense. I guess. Oh, here's this. Okay, the, so we're talking over this a, stuff. This is a good idea. They did not cast Brooke Shields. America would have lost it. The way they treated her. Oh. They would never wear they jeans the same way again. She was yet. I don't know, but they would. She was considered for the roles. I mean, she was certainly on the radar to some yeah. degree, but she was considered too young by Friedkin. So this part's great when the door closes like that. That's just good stuff, right there. Mm -hmm. That's good horror stuff. Here's where she gets her injury. That thing, yeah, right here. In the um, Bill, in the Bill Condon version, the cabinet starts talking to her first before it slams her into the wall. <laughs> <laughs> It's voiced by, I don't know, <laughs> See, Ewan McGregor. It's just, you know, Donald Sutherland. It's Donald Sutherland plays the cabinet. Uh, I, I know, I know, like, you know, her voice is dubbed and stuff, but there, there right. is effective ways Linda Blair is speaking these lines that yeah. we can see with her face and stuff that is just incredible. And they, the way they can, the way they're ADRing is quite, quite good as well, but like, it's not because I know a lot of there was a lot of uh, just a lot of controversy involving controversy. the Volk credit for uh, Mer yeah. Mer Mercedes McCambridge, who's and, the voice double, and Eileen Dietz, who's the stand-in and also the face of Azuzu. Especially uh, when it came into uh, award consideration, it was like, was she nominated, Blair? No, but no. only Miller is nominated of the cast. But um, oh, it's the I mean. Yeah, it's a lot of like controversy being stirred up because partially because yes, the credits aren't there. Uh, the the movie was you know edited down, so there's less of what some of them might have expected uh, was in there that they were involved in, mm -hmm. and it would go on to. And I'm sure it's part of it's like agents and stuff like telling them what to say or whatnot. As far as like we're, now, I'm claiming credit for all the extras. Careful on those stairs, Father Karras. Careful. But Brandon, Careful. you're exactly right. Uh, Linda Blair is very good in this movie because you're you know regardless of if she's dubbed over in certain scenes. Mm -hmm. you see the acting there yep. is a performance going on there that is not you know not being created because somebody else did the voice later on that adds to it that's film that's a collaborative process everything adds to it the cinematography mm -hmm. adds to it sound adds to it like that's yep. how film works but she is she's there in front of cameras for the first time ostensibly doing insane stuff to be asked for from a you know a small child for this right. movie. it's I mean, very effective sadly this is probably like her best performance it's hard yes, to live hard to, I mean, but, yeah, hard to... but like which but she became a, i mean she's she's and i mean this as a compliment she's a terrific and one of the best b-movie actresses that you could find like she's quite good and does i mean yeah based on this movie does... she clearly has talent to yeah. you know do work but yeah just didn't result in you know she didn't get a jamie lee curtis type career and that's why brandon when you say like you could market believer off of Blair better than Burston, that's perhaps right, but I feel that's still pretty niche as far as what a major audience wants to see. Right, but like it's Scott, you can speak. It's the better, it's the better move. It's but, the better, yeah. I agree, it's the better move, but I mean, that's the point By of default. That's, the, the whole thing is, it's just a bad move in, in general to do anything more with The Exorcist if you're banking on it to make a lot of money. Like, that's so when yeah. I hear, when I hear $400 million being spent to purchase just the rights to this movie, and then you have to add on the production costs of making the movie, it's like, what what audience are we tapping into here? To what be fair, are we the four hundred is everything. It's Talent everything including production budgets, licensing. Oh, that includes the production too budget. Much money. I mean, it's still ridiculous. And we all said that two years ago when the deal was first announced. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? This but it's is like not Halloween. But it's like it's Ellen riding Burstein on the as what what's her name is not the same as Jamie Lee Curtis. Exactly, that's Laurie exactly Strode the play. Right, riding on the idea that the Halloween films were so successful, therefore we can yeah. mimic the same thing with this other franchise that 
hasn't been as nearly as successful as a 10 11 12 yeah. entry horror series yeah <laughs> um, like i guess that seems like you're putting a lot of eggs in a basket that's uh, not gonna pay off well, really all that well and you're trying to get people to go from something that just was on tv back to theaters again um because the exorcist had a two-season television show and that wasn't well watched it also you know it's it, i like it quite a bit um but that it, you know, it got, got canceled, canceled due to barely, lack of interest. Barely yeah. got yes. a second season, and then you're like, so you've now said, "Oh, The Exorcist." Uh, you can watch Exorcist at home now. That's what that. That's what that is. Um, which Halloween better watch it with their TV deals and using cinematic universe way after it's cool to use it and going out of style. But um, you gotta be careful because once you introduce it as a, hey, this is on TV. This is a TV thing now. Um, who's yeah. going to go back to theaters for it? In do you think they'll? Do you think they'll call it Hall- Halloween oh, no. HTV? Oh, oh God! Uh, they're doing a TV show. Yes. Well, uh, well there are rumors there. Yeah, there's there's lots a of deal it. made for television rights mm-hmm. uh, to produce new projects for television, which they said to start a new Halloween cinematic universe. Whatever. Um, maybe nothing comes <laughs> of it, but. Once you introduce the avenue of television, yeah, you got to build back um, to that. Which Marvel's struggling with that a little bit. And Star Wars, we haven't seen a film, but it's going to be interesting to see how many people show up to whatever next film it is. What helps? DreamWorks is the exception. What What helps? Well, because that feels like a that yeah. I mean, we don't have an example from like, like when Disney used to do it for like Aladdin had a TV series that ran for like four seasons or whatever. But like, there's no Aladdin two, so it's not like you can really test. There's no Aladdin two that went to there's, theaters, so you can't test. Uh, so, uh, so you couldn't. You can't really test. You can't skip to Aladdin three yeah, in this house. But you can't. You can't really test. You can't really use that as a test case as far right. as would they have yeah. gone back to see the next Aladdin movie after seeing the TV. Right. But yeah, like How to Train Your Dragon, exactly is exactly an example of that where they had well, yeah a series that evolved the characters in between films and animated and, ones. That's kind of different. There's always been like the like little show and then you know there's, there's sure. kind of a tradition but for like adult thing like um there's a reason the james bond people constantly know about making releasing they would didn't want no time to die going straight to streaming and they don't want a james bond tv show there's a reason why james bond is for cinemas they're smart and james and then people are like oh can you believe they're not even working on a new one yet yes <laughs> yes i can yeah that's why they're a 50 year long 60 year long franchise that's like it's okay that they don't make news every day and then you got to make up stuff to make like they're fine with that when james bond comes back it will be a big deal trust yeah. me so like the um real quick the p yeah. the, the, the 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 vomit right there of pea mm-hmm. soup uh william freaking rascal that he is was like i'm gonna aim this at your chest didn't land on his chest uh, but he knew that yeah. was not going to happen that way. He went right in his face, and that's where he wanted, yeah. and it's disgusting. So part of Anderson, the reason, YouTube, by the way, yeah, yeah. So it part, is. Of the, part of the reason the Exorcist just doesn't work a lot of times is like, you know, making a sequel to this risky, but if it 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 wasn't good uh, when it first happened, so then it had the stigma of uh, you know make sequels, and then the third one came out, and it, I mean it wasn't like ultimately the film that we respect now because back then it was just, it was kind of just passed over and stuff. And then you make the beginning, which was, a, you know, 
the beginning was a chance where you could have turned things around because people were high off this anniversary of the exorcist da, 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 da. we're gonna do another one <gasps> and bleep, nothing so here's another exorcist i'm not here's ellen burston who uh uh okay the mom that's uh, okay and in her and reagan are oh reagan's not there okay yeah but um, she wrote a book so you know, right <laughs> she, she can exercise things now yeah so it just doesn't have that like like also like jason friday the 13th you could bring Corey feldman and no one's gonna care uh, like well no, no but, but if they say that, if they, they say he has an, if they say he has an original song on the soundtrack brandon that might be all right that's true no, no. the only thing that works is heather laying in camp with elm street that's about the only thing close that people could put two and two together robert england heather laying camp back together doing it again sure but that's the well, only think... one that you have near Jamie near to Jamie Lee Curtis doing Halloween against Michael Myers. Well, and the other thing like, we have to remember is the Halloween cost ten million dollars. Oh yeah, yeah, and yeah. Halloween kills cost what twenty, and yeah, Halloween ends cost thirty three. By the by that point, the first two had made a gajillion dollars. The first one made enough to made justify yeah, the yeah. first one bought them all absolutely. Yeah. And if they so much didn't announce made. the trilogy until after the third, the first one, you know, went bonkers. Mm-hmm. If they had made an Exorcist trilogy that costs seventy million in total, and they had paid a reasonable amount for the IP and all that jazz, then yeah, fine, spend a hundred million dollars on an Exorcist trilogy. But it, instead, they the instead run, they, they they uh, they dark universe this. They called their shot ahead yeah. of time, and yeah. uh, it. Uh, I mean, we'll see where things go from here, but it's very likely blowing up in their face as we're speaking about all this. Well, and they weren't wrong. Two years huge. ago. It was basically a show of force after Netflix dropped a half a billion dollars on Knives Out sequels. It was basically a legacy studio saying, hey, we can play in that pool too. And in a skewed way, because this was in the you know middle of 2021 when Wall Street was saying, you know, do everything you can to make your streaming services look strong. Mm-hmm. And even though the first Exorcist was always going to go to theaters, it was seen as sort of a power move for Peacock as a way to say that we should we are taking this seriously. So you know, again, it was just another example of, of of studios being rewarded by Wall Street for making terrible decisions, and then of course in early twenty twenty two they completely changed their mind and said, oh, never mind, we don't want you know content arms race and subscribers, we want profits and revenue now. Fuck you for doing everything we told you to do for the last three years. Get yourself up out of this cliff. Yeah, right. Rant. Absolutely. No, it's. It's it's odd. It's odd that like what did they buy it from Warner Brothers? Is that who had the rights? Yes. And Warner yeah. Brothers just like <laughs> we tried that ourselves. We have income. But, uh, Yay. Yeah. I, I just yeah. And like people, believe Green was brought on by them. Green didn't go buy the rights himself. And go. I'm gonna do the exercise. <laughs> like like they treat him like like he's behind it all. He was a hired hand. And. Well, and- Regardless of what you think of the the two Halloween the sequels to the legacy sequel, you know, this was between Halloween and Halloween Kills. We had one Halloween movie that most people generally liked and was seen as a huge success. We had one movie that was so, a large script that he and McBride developed, and they're like, if we get to do this, then we can make the other things. Like they had, they had well, what I'm saying yeah. is they had they had a complete thought in mind, and that's what yes. Exorcist. Mm-hmm. That's among its problems. That's what it, it. That's what it's lacking. It's like, what are we? Like where we go from here? Like what's what's the point of all of this? Where is this leading to? What's the Thanos at the end of the Exorcist trilogy that we're getting here? 
Well, they tried to develop in the series a more of a sort of larger conspiracy thing that I'm not sure quite worked either. I think it's just lightning in a bottle. Hollywood doesn't know how to. It's exactly lightning in a bottle. Hollywood doesn't know how to be okay with that. This is the era of the sequel. They have to be able to make the same thing again. And if they can't, what what are they going to do? Make another horror movie that works like The Exorcist? How do you do that? You got to trust the creatives. And that's not their game, you know. Um, As far as the TV stuff goes, uh, it's not like it's unprecedented. I mean, it seems like every horror series has pretty much gotten all these major ones. I mean, Freddy got one. uh, Friday got one. Chucky currently has one is by default the not by default it's just great but it's the best of these yeah. that has happened because it's just really really good and it's on its third season. Um, yeah. I, I I'm surprised that there's not a, a Sawyer family you know CW drama where they eat people but also have relationships. Um, <laughs> I'm surprised there has I, I maybe this exists and I don't know about it. Has there been like a weekly procedural with Doctor Frankenstein and his cop friend? Like that seems like an easy easy I'm win. Right shocked there. we haven't seen that yet. I mean, let's that. pitch that right away. I mean, we got two um, seasons. We got three seasons and, of Sleepy Hollow. I mean, we we could surely make a Frankenstein TV show. He's slowly and, taking body parts and stuff from the autopsies and te- Teen Wolf things have happened. There's been invisible I mean, stuff. I never I mean, watched it, but everybody said Bates Motel was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I Brandon and I, we fucked up. First, we we, yeah. we fucked off after that, like the first episode on that one. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it apparently got better. Yeah. I guess. But I mean, yeah, they. I mean. <laughs> they like money they like use that ip that's for sure and make these shows like take it where they need to go friday the 13th uh, gonna be a show again really <laughs> crystal like, lake they're, they're really really making it like they i've with, seen table yeah, with, reads and stuff like that so with uh brian never completes a show by himself fuller on board yeah. so i mean it's gonna yeah. be a huge success <laughs> yeah. um and then ryan murphy just like does it but doesn't call it that so you know that's you know he's, he's got right. that going for him um uh, what was I going to say? Um, Halloween. The, the as far as the success for that goes, I mean, there's the also the the other obvious difference. I think we talked about this in the Believer episode. It's that the you know the slasher genre is so primal and very simple as a right. cell, where it's like there's that there's not a whole lot beyond the fact that Halloween you know sits at a high bar as far as these kinds of movies go. You don't need much to get an audience into theater to be like guy stabs people. Like that's straightforward. It's easy enough. Mm-hmm. Exorcist is like, what are we doing? Like, what's the what's the thing that's what's the hook here? And as I said, Scott, I mean, two girls. That's that's pretty wild and really progressive. Crazy, but twice the terror. <laughs> yeah, but, um, yeah, there's not. Uh, they don't. I they mean, don't have any good enough compelling personal dramas to have. They they the part of the strength of this movie is these two crossing paths that we're watch right watching right now. Yeah, there's good we stuff like, here. The priest in the new one, like. You know, like there's there's nothing there. Um, there's no religious com- religious conflict, uh, crisis of faith going on. Which, you know, the exorcist. If you're going in on the exorcist, you have to go all in on the religion too. Like yeah. you have to, you have to. Even if you don't believe it, you have to buy into it for the movie to work. It has to. Be I do. Real, I mean, I do think it believer. has to be real in the movie. Believer does have a big religion, more of a more of a religious bent than anything I'm else. Surprised, I've seen well, no, it does... I think watching it, I was surprised at how committed it was to religious stuff. That I was like, sure. is this going to try to be all cool and hip and and take an agnostic approach to it or something? But it was straight up, you know, Christ and and the devil type thing. But oh, I, I... Uh, you know, uh, they. That's the thing. And then, you know, the heretic, you know, swings big, misses, but it's going with 
telepathy and sorts of all sorts of other things but it's it's taking a swing it's taking it's, it's, it's interesting it's yeah I, I like it's a movie i've only watched it the once so far but like yeah. i i didn't it's not good but i do like i'd be hard pressed to say what's what the alternative should have been it's like mm-hmm. you don't just do this again i like that heretic oh, is yeah. a, it's a different movie it's just not very well done but it's still like a movie mm-hmm. that tries something yeah it, i, it, I it, mean it's i just watched it again it, it, it it's the ultimate to divide the men from the boys if you're not really into the art form then it's a piece of shit if you are you can't help but be slightly intrigued because here's a movie that made by a guy who hates the first one he hates the exorcist and he's trying to defy it completely by implying that that the her inner goodness is all she needed to defeat pazuzu which is a pretty radical about face and certainly wasn't going to make anybody happy Here's what you do, by the way, to get people interested in the Exorcist again. Pazuzu, the early years. Make it all about him. Right. Adam Driver as Pazuzu. Adam Driver is Pazuzu. (laughs) It's set in the underworld. (laughs) Little little Nicky's there for some reason. You know, we get get a dramatic performance out of Sandler. Uh, Um, Girl that almost turned into the light side, but then she died. I'll tell you what. um, On the the Scream Factory release for The Heretic on Blu-ray, the second disc... Uh, includes a uh, home video cut of the film. I actually think that's a better film and actually pretty good. It it um, tightens it up a bit, changes some structure, but I think that works a lot better than the theatrical cut of The Heretic. Plus, it includes the cool part of the score that they don't use enough um, for the opening oh, credits. More funny thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it kicks <laughs> off with that, and I'm like, all right, yeah. let's go. Uh, but it, it's got a little bit more effective editing. Um, I gotta watch this. That movie's got sounds like, sounds like Enter the Void. Like, what's going like, on? Ah, this? <laughs> yeah, that, if, if you're interested at all in cool in camera tricks, that movie's full of the most amazing in camera mm-hmm. special effects. No, it's, got, it's got moves, it's not, but like if you don't care about in camera tricks or if you're not aware that they're happening, you're just going to be bored out of your mind. You James know? Earl Jones, as you've never seen him before, younger, yeah, or <laughs> From Claudine to The Exorcist. Um, I think Exorcist 2 is the reason no one's Exorcist 3. They were so mad. Oh, that's easily the reason. That's that's Scott, you know this, for box office, like, as far as... It was know, 15 years know. later, for God's sake. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. And they called it Exorcist 3, I guess, because, again, it's a really good sequel, unless people just don't want to see an old Georgie Scott puffing around. That must have been the reason that it no, That's it. why it made money. That was the one thing it had that people were like, oh, finally, at least we got him. <laughs> Patents here, guys. Hey, he's got, well, hey George C. Scott was in the Changeling. He's horror royal, horror royal, horror royal. Yeah. yeah, for those two movies. That's the thing about you know trying to make this into a, a modern franchise is that other than the first one, none of the other ones were particularly big hits. Well, if no. they had a I mean, CG George C. Scott in there, I mean, they that brought been back so, yeah, Jason maybe, Miller. Yeah, God maybe damn two it, two and three kind of sort of made money over the long run. Blah blah blah, but none of them were perceived as particularly big successes. Jason and Miller's past, right? Yeah, he, oh, yeah, no, he was an alcoholic, he and he died it. of yeah. Yeah, I thought so. Okay, but you know, it's funny. It's interesting to see the exorcist. Like, which ones the people come back for? You know, like, well, the two. That's when Linda Blair came back. Three. They got. It's when Jason Miller came back, and, and then, it's a William Peter Blatty. Like, he's yeah. all about it. Like, yeah. He's the... And then, well, oh, Montano comes back for two. Uh, for heretic. Cut. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, and then yeah. uh, yeah, Burston now with this one and someone else i don't we won't go um all right uh, there's a ter- there's, there's a terrible person in this scene right um the, the guy talking um there's any Wait, what? uh the the person playing the one of these priest guys here isn't he you know not not very good 
Oh, it was Father Dyer. That's the other one. Uh, Father Dyer. Okay. Father Dyer's the one you think would never be a. He's like a normal guy. He's the guy who plays piano. He's the guy who walks off at the end with Lee well, J. Cobb. Yeah, Father Dyer's not in this scene. He's on that. Okay. No. <laughs> I'm trying to keep track. Finally, we see Max von Sydow again walking through yeah. with a book. You're needed in the movie, sir. My plane just landed from Iraq. Oh, Father Dyer's the other guy. Fired. Okay. I'm like trying to get my head straight on which priest is which because I don't care enough. The guy, the guy who ran the piano. The, 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 the guy who's buddies with Karis who brings him a bottle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, yeah. You know me. No rabbi, no likey. That's what I say. But, um, you know, it's no. funny. The Exorcist uh, version you've never seen was so hip and modern. I believe Scary Movie 2 parodied yes. it with yeah. The, yeah. the piano scene you guys talk about. Yeah. Get it? Scary, yeah. Scary Movie 2's best sequence is the first like 10 minutes. That's like, all exercise stuff. Move, bitch. Is, and it's, Get yeah. out the way. That's the, the and then like the it girl would, comes right? and she like pees for like an extended period of time. Yeah. And then like James, Nate, uh, America's friend, America's friend James Wood comes in with Andy Richter. <laughs> and like it's clearly it's, the seventh or eighth choice for that part, James Woods. And here we go. There we go. And, and it's very funny, all that stuff. They, these cutaways to her just staring ominously in the dark is really cool, too. A plus. Um, like it. Yeah. Suddenly, Georgetown is full of fog. Who are you? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not in the light. It's me, Max von Sydow. Is, is this like some sort of like take on the lodger? Like, is that what he's doing there? Because, I mean, freaking yes. loves Hitchcock. So, yes. like. Yeah, it is. Yeah, okay. Like, the, the shot that we just saw is a famous painting we saw. And then, yeah, yeah. his entrance is very yeah, much. Yeah, so what's his name? Uh, who does the, where the sky is light and the, the bottom yeah. is dark. One of my favorite Jackson people. Jackson like, from the sky. Same thing. Yeah. One of my favorite people here talk about film is Friedkin. Like, I, I love his book, his uh, The Friedkin Connection memoir. Um, they put him on Hitchcock Blu rays uh, or DVDs. Vertigo, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. They put him on a lot of. They have some of the best people. They have Friedkin, Guillermo del Toro, John Carpenter, and Bogdanovich talking Hitchcock. And that's like, yeah. this is awesome. <laughs> this is great. But. Um, Freakins is one of the best because he's just got this blunt uh, outlook on how things are done, how he does them different, how he gets what he wants. And it's it's incredible to read. I'm I'm sure some people hated working with him or have bad experiences. But as a film nut and appreciation of the art and stuff like it's just like seeing human things being made rather than conveyor belt stuff that's safe like you know he took chances to get we are here talking about the extras now because the guy wasn't afraid to take chances on screen behind you know behind the scenes like and get what we needed like he's he's also uh funny it's fun yeah. oh yeah he's a very funny person he and rude in commentary even in commentaries he's rude to you he's as a, a listener he's incredibly oh, rude i but cribbed it's funny. this from dario agenda people you've never heard of or yeah, on the Guardian. you don't like this movie go ahead put it back i'm sure you've got a big collection yeah, he's, <laughs> he's great can't stop listening <laughs> it's like if you think john if you think john carpenter's grumpy listen to william Friedkin talk about things for a while <laughs> right yeah um and we talked about max von Sydow already as far as his makeup is concerned there was no Oscar at the time for it. There's always like special consideration stuff, but like if we don't get that till what eighty one with mm-hmm. Werewolf in London. But oh, um, yep. I mean, it was certainly praised, including Pauline Pauline Kale, who hated this movie, it but is. she's still like, but that makeup was great though. Like she was still like all about like what they did to, to Max von Sydow. Uh, Dick Smith, who did the makeup for this movie, um, hated Friedkin. I know, hard to believe. Uh, quit the film at one point, only to come back, insisting that he'd get like a day off every week because he couldn't handle being with Friedkin that long. Uh, but no, he uh, he did the work. I think. <laughs>
Which goes to show you that a guy like that, a guy like freaking, you know, it probably does not. A nice guy who never steps on anybody's toes probably does not make a movie like this. So the the sort of criticism of directors for being a little too bossy. I mean, well, it's give and take. I mean, it's quite a role to be in. A lot yeah. of money behind you, you know. Well, he, he, a... he seems like a Cameron or like to a lesser extent Fincher. Fincher, I'm not. We don't know to be like rude to people. He's just exacting. But like, there are guys that even if they don't, they're not experts on the aspects of the film. They know every job that's in the movie, every yeah. single job that's that someone is hired for. They at least have some knowledge, if not how to do it, but at least understand what they what they're going for, what to ask from them. And because of that, yeah, that's going to make you pretty bossy because you're trying to make you're trying to lead like seven unions while making this like country that's actually a movie come to life. You just one yeah, best. It, re- it, re- like, no one gets it requires a it requires <laughs> a certain kind of attitude to pull that kind of thing off. Now, do you guys think because they basically mark it as the French Connection, Exorcist, Sorcerer, uh, and then sort of halfway through cruising, he kind of loses it, and then to live and die in L.A., and then it's kind of over. He made a lot of more movies, but he has that concentrated period yeah. of making great movies is that because of new hollywood allowing him to do so or do we think he just sort of has his time of being inspired and then kind of he was having trouble getting funding and stuff yeah it's a mix um, of it's yeah. a mix of both the era kind of ends because yeah the 80s turns into a whole different thing compared to what he was used to working mm-hmm. with and yeah. then just yeah it's it, I, funding's part of it and just the way the nature of the projects he wanted to do versus what Hollywood wanted. I mean, it's, oh, there's, I not, mean there's not a, there's not the same kind of room for him. As much as we really, all respected Jade, I mean, yeah, it's just not happening the same way anymore. I mean, I, I don't have a list in front of me or anything, but I mean, I would argue offhand that he had a huge hit with French Connection, a huge hit with The Exorcist, and then never really had a hit again, unless I'm forgetting something. Not really. No, they, they're more known I mean, for I being... I like The Haunted, but you know they're more known for being flops after that point to live in dial because next big la was, was like it's like the there's a comeback it's, it should be like a comeback film because it's him doing french connection but in la this time mm-hmm. but it doesn't pay off uh yeah. it, it pays off for cult audiences years later but not the, the, you know initially and, you know, the guardian isn't exactly making a case for his continued no. brilliance all due respect no yeah it's um, his i mean for me it's his later like i like the hunted i like Oh yeah, aspects of certain I, things. Uh, but like, oh, it's terrific. Yeah, but, it was interesting. But, but I was going to say, yeah, his later stuff. When he gets to when he gets to the Tracy Letts era, it's really yeah. it's really compelling because yeah. he's no because he's making smaller films now. He's working with smaller budgets and he's getting what he essentially wants out of those. Because like, I I think Killer Joe is fantastic and Bug is yes, Bug is pretty wild. Uh, and to Sherry Lansing for all this time for like the last twenty years of of his life, right? Yeah, yeah, it doesn't hurt that he's yeah he's rich, well respected, does whatever else he wants to do besides making a movie. I mean, that's that's also what's going on in his life. There's a lot of guys though where you like Bogdanovich, the same thing. Bogdanovich has got three or four great movies in a row, and then that's kind of it. And they're also historians too. Like they spend their time, I assume, doing things for the betterment of film. Like like you know whether it's restoring stuff or giving lecture, doing whatever number of things they can to preserve the history that they're a part of at that point. Freaking came out in front of an audience a few years ago. and was like, all right, just anybody name one good movie that's come out lately. And everything he said, no, no, no. He's like, <laughs> okay, I'll admit the Angry Birds movie two was better than the first one, but still no. <laughs> that's, that's true. You know, Freaking was going to play Hannibal Lecter. That would have been fun. In his buddy, Michael yeah, right. Ray. We talked about yeah. that in our in our Lecter series of commentaries available now on iTunes, Spotify. Um, they may not have heard that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, by the way, speaking of things happening in this room, which is an exorcism, um, this is a refrigerated set. 
Mm-hmm. Um, the cast, I don't know if you feel like you do this, but they did not like it working in this set at all. It was not <laughs> fun for them. It was not fun to work in a set that was specifically designed to be freezing cold for hours of the day. It was they not installed... a chill work environment? They, it, it was a very <laughs> chill work environment, only so much of the time, though, because they installed a refrigerator device to keep this room cold, but it broke down a lot. Not like a shark in Jaws, oh. for example. Uh, so, yeah, they had to do what they had to do, but it was not fun to be in here. So between the 130-day degree weather in Iraq and the <laughs> near freezing temperatures so of this got specific set, uh, not fun. And Max von Sydow had to work in both. <laughs> so uh, good times for this 44-year-old man. Uh, the, uh, the makeup though protected him from getting a sunburn in her eye. Yeah, sure. and then in here it kept him warm. Yeah, I'm sure that didn't hurt. Everyone in way, thinks I'm old. Reagan's makeup, I think, is great here. By the way, I, that's not a hot take at all. But like what I'm saying though, compared <laughs> to the, and we should talk about this head thing. But compared to like Believer, where the second the girls become like you know mutilated yeah. bodies, they have I'm just giant like, foreheads and yeah. like it's like. Why are we even debating the idea that something's not wrong? Like these, these do not look like your children anymore. This is there's, they didn't, they didn't become elephant men all of a sudden. Like this is like terrible. Like this, like this, I can still buy that there is a girl in this body. There is there's something here that makes sense to me. Obviously, there's evil in her, but like it still looks like Linda Blair just has real bad problems right now. Those contacts probably were not fun to wear at all. That's where she got scoliosis. <laughs> I like how you say that right when she starts levitating. I imagine it's probably the the, the thrusting back and forth with her yeah. back on the bed yeah. scene, where because the, there's no support there. It's a bed, so it's like. Uh... We can talk about how they did this levitating thing, but I think he figured it out. But it wasn't easy. <laughs> Let's put it that way. The head turning thing. Um, in the plot of this movie, we've seen. You know, at this point, we're in, like, wacky territory, right? We've seen so much of the groundedness of this film and seen so many things that could be explained this, that, or the other way. Maybe not a cabinet moving on its own. But for the most part, it takes place in the real world. Once Max von Sydow gets here, Pazuzu's like, uh-oh, I gotta ramp it up, apparently. So we get these more uh, insane visuals, including Reagan's head turning all the way around. Now, my question to you guys... Is that something we're really seeing, or are we seeing things through a different perspective? Like, what's our POV during this exorcism? In the other movies, when the character turns their head around, it's going to kill them. I've noticed the character yeah, because when someone turns their neck completely around, it yeah. breaks their fucking neck in half. Not that's in that's, that's generally my thought on how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> so I've always wondered, like, is this something like Karis is just like it's being projected on them, perhaps? Because I mean, the, they Pazuzu's established they can do that. They can. They can make you see things you're not actually seeing. Like we see Marin's mother at one point in here. I mean, so I'm always curious if there's a, I, any rule of thought involving a little girl's head spinning entirely around while they're in this room. It's not in this version, but she does that crab walk thing down the stairs, or spider walk thing down the stairs, which is contorting limbs and stuff and not breaking them. So Yeah, I'm but sure she used to do that before she was possessed. She just did it faster when she got possessed. I think that was young the, girl. <laughs> so Christmas. Yeah, on the, the the one thing I do I do really miss from the the longer version is or the the extended. This version. is my favorite shot of the movie, by the way. I oh, like as much as yeah. that Father Kara shot. shot's great. I love this the the smoke and everything, and the statue appears. I think that's utterly fantastic. Sorry. Yeah, nice your call back to Pazuzu, right? Yeah. I still don't think that quite connects. I'm like, what? Oh, that statue from three hours ago. I don't know what that means. It, uh, yeah, I'm not saying I know it, what it means, but it's certainly like. It brings it full circle to an extent. That's the thing, though. 
it doesn't have to explain itself. You can figure it's it's interesting enough for you to make your own conclusions, but you know there's a connection. You know there's something. He was brought yeah. here. It's following him. Something like that gives him a lot more weight in this situation. And it's just, it's good. We don't need an explanation. It's fine. Like, but what was it there for? What was it doing? Oh my gosh. Go write your fan fiction. I don't care. But maybe they're uh, brothers. <laughs> we'll find out they're brothers. Yeah. 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 Oh, you, you know. I'm just saying, in terms of what an audience will accept, I mean, you know, it's left wide open. Yeah, you can do that with things. It's like, it's why there's such a fear nowadays of like leaving. I mean, oh, I guess well, Five I, Nights, I are, five nights at Freddy's leaves like a lot of stuff open. So good for yeah, them. Yeah. like crazy. <laughs> I think part of it, you know, aside from just the, you know, if there is a, an economically, in, economic incentive driven ecosystem that justifies, if not demands this kind of, you know, needlepoint discourse where it explains this and plot hole this and yada, yada, yada. I think, you know, 50 years ago, you saw a movie like The Exorcist and maybe you only saw it once or you yeah. saw it once and then watched it on TV two years later. So, I mean, it, it's there was much more, I would argue, to a certain extent about, you know, just how it felt in the moment. I, I would be hard-pressed to think they played this on TV until a long time later, honestly. So, I think... I probably did like that with few crucial interruptions because it's about religious and things. And it's a very special presentation. It probably yeah. made the top 10 for, uh, yeah. for TV ratings that week. But, T again... TNT, but, we know drama. But the main point is, <laughs> people saw this movie, you know, during its 105-week run of theaters. <laughs> it was in there for a long time. It made a lot of money. We'll talk about that. Um but that's probably the time they saw it, unless they saw it multiple times in theaters. Uh, I, like, I guarantee if I asked my dad if he saw it, hey, he'd probably, he'd probably say it. He saw it once, and he hasn't seen it since. Uh, but he probably has a strong memory of it. Like, like a lot of people have a very specific memory of The Exorcist, and it's stuck with them because it's the scariest film they've ever seen or what have you. But, like, that's so, the... So the, uh, the, the television, it premiered on television on CBS on February 12th, 1980, mm. uh, which was a cut created by William Friedkin himself. Oh, really? Yeah. Something they did a lot back then. Yeah. Back Good shot she... there with the um, <laughs> with Maris, with Maris, uh, or uh, Karis's mother on the bed. Back when she I do miss the, I, I was saying there, I missed the, the, the exchange on the stairs where Max von Sydow sort of explains what the demon is trying to do by possessing this girl is to make them think that humans are vile and disgusting and that God could never love them. I, I, that's a pretty important Thing it gives you, it, yeah. it gives you more to land on as far as why it's happening. Yeah. If they and it and it yeah, it's without like feeling too revealy, like like we uh, it it feels like it's just like that's yes, that's among the scenes in the version that we were never meant to see. Um, that stands out as one of like the stronger additions, I would say. Yeah. Um, I will say as far as my regard for the scariness, I haven't forgotten about my question by the way, so I want to answer. Uh, but. As far as the kind of like the scare factor of all this, I think part of what doesn't have me at arm's length because again, I think this movie's fantastic, five stars, whatever. But like the fact that there is this kind of like start and stop nature to what's happening in this third act always kind of like gets me in a way that like other horror films that I like more don't. Where at one point they're in the room, they're saying power Christ compels you, they're doing all this stuff, then they're like, and eh, now we're outside taking a break. Like yeah. there's something about the lack of a relentlessness compared to a Texas Chainsaw or what have you that like it sticks out for me as far as what I'm getting from the horror experience of it all. There's something big about the idea that it's all happening in this room. The poster is obviously that light, you know, uh -huh. just the sort of banality of the world can roll on without knowing that in this room, this sort of craziness is going on. 
and it's an it's an interesting choice but yeah i mean it and I, yeah, it's, it's not like me being only mildly frightened by this movie compared to abe who can't even watch it right now i get that it's currently having you know, an effect on people as far as the scare factor goes but i, well, I guess you're right i'm not frightened by it but i'm compelled by it yeah. Compelled the, the power yeah. freaking compels you, as I think. Exactly. Yeah. It's a really well-made like movie. Scaring, it's a little more just unnerving, I think. I think the ideas <laughs> of, of uh, supernatural powers and supernatural things is... is Because uh... I agree with you that it's not like there's like a ton of jump scares or anything like that. It's like no Five Nights at Freddy's. I'm using scare as a catch-all, but I mean, there's certainly like an effect this movie has on you or on many others that say this is the the most frightening thing they've ever seen or you know the movie that's certainly got to them the most compared to other yeah. horror movies where i'm sitting here being i don't like, know aaron i've seen kung pao yeah <laughs> like, what other horror movie came out in 1973 like the legend of boggy creek like what was this competing with uh wicker man um yeah, but no one saw that for god's sake except in England. Yeah, it was british who likes that <laughs> uh, <laughs> brits well this is the availability at back then so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, that, they're, they're, pretty scary there's a there's a, I mean, Sheriff Pepper returns. Uh, there's another Sheriff Pepper. Oh, wait, yes, yes, returns. Uh, no, it's his first appearance. Sorry, oh, the Sheriff Sheriff Pepper Sheriff Pepper begins as a uh, yes. Christopher, Christopher Nolan. Oh, Seventy three is the man with the golden gun. Apologies. Wait, wait. What the oh, then, then it is. Okay. No, no, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm right. I'm right. Never mind. Never mind. Bad joke. Move on. Please talk over me. There you go. Uh, <laughs> I, I was saying <laughs> the crazies comes out this year. But that's oh. probably traveling around with the uh, probably not. That's what I was gonna say. This movie was a huge release. I mean, obviously it made a lot of money, but it was also a four door, four wall release. It was a, like, release, right? The, okay, oh. it was like it was specifically the day after Christmas because they want they don't want to get in trouble releasing The Exorcist on Christmas Day. They put it on twenty the day, uh, day December twenty sixth, twenty four theaters. Expanded from there, four wall thing. Just uh, the first for like a major studio like this. Like Godfather, obviously experimented with that a little bit uh, as far as like a wide release, but this is a wider release <laughs> it was and it came out at the holiday as opposed to getting delayed like the godfather was um it came oh. out when they wanted to come out went everywhere made all the money in theaters for over two years <laughs> like it was insane you got the jane seymour uh frankenstein on tv this year there you go when's uh stepford wise around this and year and don't be afraid of the dark on tv don't look now when, come out this don't year. look now well, 73 right well yeah they had uh, they had to get Sutherland had to be in there somewhere. So. Torso. Everybody was seeing Torso. torso. Probably Sorry, about bro. as many people saw Torso as they did the Wicker Man. No, as the Exorcist. In Italy. <laughs> Ratio wise, sure. Messiah, oh, Messiah Evil came out the same year, too. So. And was a burning down theater of the, the box office, I'm sure. It was <laughs> yep. yep. Just came in second just to The Exorcist. That's all. <laughs> I mean, you've talked about it already, but like this movie, much like the French Connection redid the action movie, this redid horror and more like 2001 redid sci-fi. Yeah. Like the things mm -hmm. people took it seriously. You know, it's based on a a book that wasn't a bestseller until they talked about it on the Dick Cavett show, apparently. And then like people like got in debates about the devil, and that like really made the book spike in popularity. Uh, but like adults taking this stuff seriously as opposed to seeing it as like, oh, it's horror, it's monster movies, and you know, radiation stuff or whatever. I don't care. Now it's like. No, fucking Ellen Burstyn's little kid got possessed by the devil. We gotta watch out. <laughs> we gotta take this stuff seriously. We gotta get out there. We gotta go yeah, to our Amityvilles this... and go to our Sentinels. Which does mean that the the, the antecedent or the precedent would have been Rosemary's Baby. You know, 
on a bar. Jokes right? aside, the Omen having a cast with Gregory Peck, among other people, yeah, was sort of a way to say, okay, we're taking this shit seriously now. Yeah. Please, Daddy, please. Oh, the, oh there's, there's the scene of Brandon putting his kids to sleep. Usually. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Until you do it, don't judge. Three He's swings got... and then a jump out the window. Yeah. He's going to make it out this time. He's going to land on his feet this time. He's going to land on his feet this time. Let's run down the street. That'd be amazing. Oh, that, that's why they don't call him Jason the Cat Miller. Yeah, <laughs> yeah by the way, oh, this movie on, that John we're watching, this, but John Wick, is he's already back in the room shooting at people. Yes. Um, he bounced back <laughs> up. Uh, this movie that we're talking about that has likable actors that we do not want to see hurt, the, the two two of the biggest characters die in this movie. Like yep. they, yeah. Within about they, two minutes of each other. The, the people like the heroes yep. of the film that rescue this small girl are dead at the end of this film. It's oh, really basically out of the last the ultimate sacrifice, bro. You yeah. owe it to the Catholic Church to attend this Sunday. <laughs> I mean, Max Monsito dies off camera, even. Yeah, he, yeah he's Pretty not even. Oh, it's, it's creepy. The okay, here comes Father Dyer. That's Father and Dyer. Classic, yeah, yeah, yeah. classic. Everybody knows it knowledge, but uh, he was punched in the face right here before shooting this scene mm-hmm. by William Friedkin because he was yeah, not able to get the emotion he wanted, and he punched him and said, "Action." Yeah, that's the kind of thing that makes you un- unpopular. What's <laughs> so that? He uh, he fired a gun with a blank in it next to not next to Miller at one point to get the reaction he yeah. wanted out of him. And Miller, I bet like, he never punched Gene Hackman in the face. He, uh, he was doing, he um he said like this is the second time he's ever uh, punched someone in the face um in a professional setting, and the first time he did it was the documentary he was doing on about an inmate or whatever, and he's like, you're not. You're not making your case believable. No one's gonna be sympathetic for you talking like he's like, oh no, I'm talking. And he punched him in the face and said, Tell me your story again. Oh. What do you even get killed? <laughs> yeah. no, in order in order to get a hackman to really run up those stairs at the various L trains in the in Friends Connection, uh off his face. He, no, he would he would tap him on the shoulder <laughs> when he wasn't looking and then he'd run away and Jack would chase after him and they'd start filming the game. The second the, the second exorcist is the only one to ever return to the house to value like the house, right? Yeah. Yep. I know the stairs are in the third one. But And like, David Gordon Green had a property brothers cameo for the set for the believer, but they didn't end up going through with it. So yeah, they gotcha. did. yeah, makes sense. That would be amazing for some reason they went to Georgetown just to get the stairs. <laughs> I mean, given that there's three of these fucking things lined up and they're already like, well, we brought back these two. We might as well pay the stairs the money it wants. I mean, I, I won't be surprised if I see Georgetown and Exorcist. Was it Receiver? Deceiver? That's what I'm saying. Exorcist Deceiver. There's no third title that rhymes with Deceiver and Believer. Retriever we talked about? Golden Retriever? Retriever, yeah. There's no rule that says dogs can't be exorcists. Overachiever. There you go. Overachiever. Overachiever. It's about a brown noser in the Catholic Church. It's like, I badly want an exorcist. What do I do? Let me get to the bottom. Let me go to the catacombs and pull out Pazuzu and throw him at somebody. That'll get me in the game. Momoa could come in as the overachiever. There you, there you go. There we go. Yeah, but Maboa. Yeah, exactly. The 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 Maori exorcist. I still think there's time to get Russell Crowe beep running in on his on his vest, but beep beep, it's me, the Pope's exorcist, to run in and like be in part of these. <laughs> I was if I was them, I would the be calling him to Gary Oldman. If you get the, Gary Oldman to be the exorcist I, in this movie, you could be a success. Just Gary Oldman as the exorcist, you do it. I, I, well, they did that in what the David Goyer film, right, Scott? Was it the yes. Unborn? 
Sure, but this is the exorcist. If you got Gary Oldman for Jews, Matthias yep. <laughs> Yahoo was in that. The Jewish rapper. And I guy. love that, and this is way back, way back in the Mendelssohn memos days. I wrote a whole spiel about how Gary Oldman always dies in movies because there was a period where he was always dying in movies, yeah. mm -hmm. and I was specifically talking about the trailer to The Unborn. I finally watch it. Everyone dies but him. But him. <laughs> Now, Scott, you laugh, but I guarantee if at the end of Exorcist, is it Deceiver? Is that what it is? Deceiver. Is that the actual yeah. title? If at the end of Exorcist Deceiver, the post credit scene, they, you know, they get to like, they get to the Vatican and fucking Russell Crowe pulls up, the audiences would run wild. They would be like, oh, I cannot absolutely. wait to see the third one of these. Get this going right the fuck now. I can't believe they got him. Let's do this. Poster, next movie. You got it would be like Leslie Odom Jr. and Russell Crowe and Vespa's riding together. <laughs> <laughs> it would be applause on par with the finale of Endgame. Yeah. You'd get that video where people are out the bar and they show like a TV screen and you put Exorcist on there, they all start cheering. <laughs> there are the steps the counting board, its money. The boarded up window. It is such a somber end. I mean, obviously, because, you know, exorcisms, but like it's such a somber ending to all this. Like we get this whole journey and like, OK, yeah, the the women survive. But boy, <laughs> in the other version, he gives what he gives the locket thing back. And then yeah. like they talk about movies or with, something. Yeah, he meets up with a uh, kinderman and they strike up a friendship. And then they, and they're the two lead characters in Exorcist 3. And then it says, yeah, uh, Father Dyer and uh it's an inspector kinderman will return in legion it's a very blatant casablanca ending right basically yeah, yeah, that yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. is walking yeah. off yeah. uh this movie currently has like 441 million dollars as it's like total which in, with inflation is what scott like something insane it's ridiculous yeah it's one of the biggest yeah, movies a... of all time it's still gonna it's the biggest horror movie ever in, with inflation it's the second biggest Warner Brothers movie now because of a little film called Barbie. Wow. Um, oh. <laughs> the, the, the second scariest movie of all time. Uh, we all like Barbie. We're fine. We're kidding. Um, I don't want to get <laughs> sued over the Barbie comments on this commentary track. <laughs> um, um, this is one of the key entertainments in movie history. This made people, I don't know yeah. if happy, but in terms of really... Make, it's a huge year as far as because this is like movie. the same as the the of uh, graffiti and the sting. The sting is also like the fucking giant yeah. blockbuster. That's movie. what wins best picture this year. Yes, yep. which leads me to the next thing. This film horror movie first up for best picture, ten Oscar nominations. Yeah, <laughs> it got not it best director though, right? Not not um not best. No, I think it had or he just didn't get it. He, he didn't win. Got it, he but... didn't win it. He got he got best director. He got the nod because like best so back by, which didn't get much. Yeah. Especially said... especially back then, it was usually matching up with um. Well, he talks the, about the there's there was they did not want Bergman got nominated this year for Cries and Whispers, didn't he? Maybe that he took did. yeah. Things. They they did not want him this movie winning a lot. Like he yeah he got he got nominated. Yeah. Yes, he did. Yeah, um, okay. it did win for screenplay and it won for sound. Yeah. Um, again, there was no makeup award yet, or it definitely would have won that, I think, as well. Um, but it's yes, it it's uh, it is the uh, you just mentioned it, but uh, George Kakor against this movie, he was an academy member and he was wildly against it. He was like, No, no, this is not yeah. happening, we're not giving this thing anything. He, he was so yeah. against it. Uh, meanwhile, this movie is a favorite for many directors Scorsese, Kubrick, Robert Eggers uh, is a big fan, David Fincher's a big fan, John Carpenter's obviously a big fan. 
um randomly Ozzy Osbourne likes apparently to loves this movie. Uh, he, yes, he, he, he so he says, but I mean, he's still he's still like it's not like he didn't like this movie. It's one thing to say I like the second one more, but it's not like he dismissed this one as being bad. Like I bet this is why Kubrick made Shining this movie. I bet you anything he felt spurred on by it. And I mean, for all his through lines you can see in all of his movies, he's still something of a journeyman. I mean, he dabbled in every genre. So yeah, outside of a musical, I guess. Um, but even then, you can art. But uh, no, it's a. Uh, I mean, it's not surprising to say, hey, filmmakers like this movie. But yeah, they a lot to do. <laughs> Certainly have a lot of thoughts. Um, what else? We didn't talk about the, you know, there's, you can talk about like themes of feminism going on here. You can talk about the, the Watergate scandal happening around the same time as all of this and the way that connects. There's a lot of, I'm sure lots of exploration done in like books and what have you that are out there and various essays, mm. but like there's so much to this movie. As I said, this is like the longest set of notes I've had for one of these commentaries because there's so much stuff about the exorcist that's out there <laughs> to look at. And we're just, you know, five randos talk talking about, about it. Then. All right. <laughs> Yes, so but well, we, we've reached the end of the movie. Um, let's roll into the heretic listeners. Your trivia answer is sucks cocks in hell. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that's the answer. You didn't give me a trivia. chance to answer. Wait, wait, wait. When I watched it, it said buy socks in hell, knit socks in hell. Yeah, oh, okay. Your okay. mother knit socks in hell. Doesn't sound so bad. They're, okay, they're warm. <laughs> they're warm and cut socks in hell. And the red hot chili peppers wear them on their cocks in hell. <laughs> the movie was rated R, as you know. Yeah, it certainly dabbled with the Almost X. Almost got a PG. It all well, I mean, say that, but like Toby Hooper tried to argue for a PG because there's not much in that, and there's not much in this either. It's more of intensity. Like they're just this rating it gross out a ton of gross out stuff. It so, has gross like, out yeah. stuff, but I mean, I'm not saying it should have been PG. But I'm saying what I am saying is they got it down from X. There is an X conversation yeah. in here as well. That it's they not port- last house on the left. It's, right, it's yes. like saying by Ryan, that kind of thing, where it's it's legitimate because it's about religion, so we'd give it the R. If it wasn't about religion, it'd be an X. But um, um, reviews kind of mixed at the beginning too. Like, there's obviously you know, Eber gave it four stars and what have you, but like, it wasn't the runaway review success that it became. Uh, it certainly built over time, but you know, as I mentioned, Pauline Kale, you know, sunny, cheery person she usually is, did not like this movie whatsoever. Mm. Um, and there are others that were not as fond. Um, certainly that changed fairly quickly compared to it's not like it found an audience or found its you know praise over time, but it, you know it didn't it didn't come out the gate with the with the you know absolute strongest reviews. But audiences could not wait; they saw this in droves right away. Um, yeah. Uh, any other thoughts on the Exorcist before we wrap up here? I mean, still good. It's good. Better. See, yeah, it. it's a good movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> See it without the commentary. I own yeah. it. I've owned many times. Four K is great, by the way. Watch Four... it twice now. It's a fantastic four K. Oh, yeah, four K is great. Just wish the cover art was better, but extras would be nice. But that's it's our... not like they have any iconic imagery to put on a cover, Brandon. So I don't know what yeah. you're talking about. So... I <laughs> Did we really get through all of this without talking of about the um... to put on a cover? We we the barely element. talked about the prequel, by the way. The two prequels. <laughs> Most people barely yeah. talk about the prequels. Uh, not much to say beyond Paul Schrader made a movie that was watchable and then Rennie Harlan did it again and Warner Brothers like I guess this one and then they put that in theaters and it uh, exists Open it. I was there hey, on opening night Stellan Skarsgård it looks like just like a young Max von Sydow it, uh, <laughs> it, it, it does have a, a thing that I always find <laughs> humorous enough to me where is it Alan it's Bricktop from Snatch he's in he's in the the 
what's the fucking movie called? The Minion. What's what's the other version called? Uh, the ex, uh, Minion. Minion, I think. What's the what's the Harlan version called? Beginning. The beginning. The, the Exorcist, Exorcist. The beginning. Beginning. The beginning. Thank and you. then Dominion and I think is the other one. Dominion, the prequel yeah. to the Exorcist. Dominion yeah. colon a prequel That's, to the Exorcist. Yeah, there's a yeah. scene where like the, the Bricktop from Snatch. He's like he plays like a like an evil like camp leader or whatever in the the mines that they're working in or whatever there are in Africa. Mm-hmm. And there's a scene where he goes like it's dark at night. He goes into a room and there's hyenas all around. And I guess they tear him to pieces because, like, the next morning you see his body, like, all fully, like, silence of the lambs, like, strung oh, up geez. on the wall. Oh, yeah. he's, he's strung up on a wall. And, uh, and, uh, like, I think, like, the, like, Stellan Skarsgård, he's with, like, one of the other guys there. And they're like, who could have done this? And I leaned over to my friend Scooter and I'm like, teenagers. And uh, that always, <laughs> that's the thing that stands out to me the most. <laughs> Whatever, think about Exorcist the, <laughs> the beginning. I just remember what, what the Harlan version is that where Isabella Scarupo gets possessed. Yes. And it looks yes. like really bad. Yeah. 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 We're ready. All right. Well, I think we've put our two cents in on the Exorcist, and I think we can wrap it up there and bring a close to once again the spooky season for our podcast for this month uh, but with all that said uh brandon peace where can people find more of you online all right social media at brandon 4k uhd and then the brandon peter show is the brandon peter show.com anywhere podcasts are found and i have a youtube channel for it uh tune in monday for uh products of the panic series with troy brownfield saturday post talking about indictment uh starring our bud jimmy woods uh and uh it's a movie about the McMartin trials from the 80s. That was a TV movie. Yeah. So we'll be talking about that one. Very cool. Scott Scott Mendelson, we're going to find more of you. Uh, TheRap.com. And I'm on X at at Scott Mendelson. I'm on Blue Sky. Basically the same thing. And that's basically where I am for now. Yancey Burns, anything you'd like to plug? You know, uh, the old classics on Milky Way Blues. I'm on Twitter, uh, Yancey Jack, uh, Facebook, and then I'm here with you lovely folks whenever you want to uh, have me back. All right, Dave. Instagram, Abe.Moon, Twitter.com, slash Walter Smith. Hashtag bring a Bible. <laughs> um, you can find me on my personal blog, thecodezeek.com. I write movie reviews for We Live Entertainment. I'm on Twitter, Aaron's PS4. This podcast can be found anywhere you can find podcasts, but please leave us a rating and review on iTunes or Spotify. That'd be great. Help us in the old iTunes charts and what have you. And we're on all the socials as well. Follow us there. Uh, but yeah, thank you, Brandon, Scott, and Yancey, for joining Gabe and I for this Exorcist commentary track. This is great. Power Christ compels you, Aaron. We we did it. I'm a uh, but, but yeah, Sorry. that's uh, that's gonna do it for uh, this this October. Uh, happy mm-hmm. Halloween, everybody. This episode happy Halloween. exactly on Halloween. So have a happy and safe Halloween and eat all your candy, but check it first. Uh, don't wear any masks after midnight and any other warnings that I'm supposed to remind you of. Uh, but that's going to do it for now. So until next time, so long. And goodbye. They did the mash. They did the oh no mash. Oh no mash. It was a graveyard. Oh no mash.